Ewart seen it, he comes storming into the refuge, waving his walking stick like a sword, and he's leading this army of lawyers and cops. Who comes walking out? Uh, you know, your friend, him, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> My name's Ellie. I'm Georgia. And I'm Ethan. And we are gathered here eventually today to talk about the 1992 live action film version of Newsies. Newsies. We all did watch the film version today, right? Yes. Yep. (laughs) Thankfully. Okay. And guys, this is episode number 20. Now, Ethan, I know you haven't been here for all 20. I think you joined this somewhere around episode four or five. I... I think I was looking through the, the episodes the other day, and you can see the point where I stopped being a guest and just started being like part of part of the core because it was like with Ethan, with Ethan, and then it's just like let, nah. let, let's just let him be part of it. It's like Park, he's got nothing else. It's like Parks and Rec when they had uh, oh what's Star Lord's name again, Chris? Oh, Chris Pratt. When it was like with Chris Pratt because he was only supposed to be there for like one season. And then he caught fire, and they made him a series regular. You are our Chris Pratt, so it means one day you will be Star Lord. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I considering knew would be. <laughs> the, the, before lockdown happened, I, I, I was a I was a Star Lord cosplayer, and yeah. then Comic Cons got shut. So so my sort of <sighs> my my monthly income during the summer was destroyed. You'll just have to guard our galaxy. How about that? <laughs> All right. So uh, first off, though, a massive on episode twenty, a massive thank you to anybody out there in the oh what do you call it in podcast nation in the Pottern family who has. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who I, I can admit I found that somewhere. That's not, that's, that's not original. But, I wouldn't uh, want it to be original. No. I think you're better than that. Anybody, who, anybody who's discovered the podcast, download it. If this is your first listen or if this is your 20th listen, thank you very, very, very much. And I actually got a uh, clarification. We gave a shout out to uh, Andrew last episode. <laughs> And uh, he was very, very nice in responding on, on, on the Twitter and letting us know that uh, he heard it and was, and, was, and was happy to hear it. And I got clarification on his name. So look at this. He's so clever that now he's getting a second shout out here. <laughs> but if I got it right, it's Andrew Olszewski. Andrew Olszewski, I believe. So there we go. If I get like the slightest clarification, Andrew, I don't know if I can do it three weeks in a row, but you got to. <laughs> so, so well done. But thank you very much. He had some very nice things to say. Yeah. And we always appreciate those who uh, help spread the uh, the good word. Ethan, I think you said he was kind of uh, talking to you on, on the Discord or something like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, he's been a real big help sort of promoting the podcast to a couple other Discords as well. Uh, I put it in like some links and sharing. And then like maybe two days later, he was like, guys. You need to know about this great podcast called Talking to Mickey. I'm on, like, the seventh episode, and it's really, really good. And I was like, <laughs> this guy. I didn't even have to have to pay him this time. <laughs> and I, this also, time. I also want to give out a shout-out to um, the, the pod- Holding the Quill podcast, who gave us a little bit of a third-party recommendation on the Twitter today. And that's always it's, it's always nice when you see someone else go, yeah, those guys, they're okay. If you're into Disney, these are the guys you want to listen to. There's a lot of Disney podcasts out there as we have discovered. But it's nice to know that there's someone who goes, no, these guys are all right. So We're all right. We're, we're okay. All right. 
we are okay. I don't think we're about to say better than The Lion King on our poster or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Much like last week's episode on The Wild, which, had a, which has had a really good uptake, actually. So thank you, everybody, who's listened to our episode on The Wild, because... God knows you weren't doing it for the quality of the film we were reviewing. So thank you for downloading and listening to us um, have a bit of a group therapy session on a very bad (laughs) film. And we will let you know when Ethan's probation from choosing films has expired and he's allowed to, with clearance, uh, choose a film again. And I will immediately destroy that clearance with the next one I find. Exactly. So it's important. It's important to get, you know, a validation from from the right people and the right persons. And if you want to do us a favor and help us validate what we're doing, by all means, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please feel free. It would make our collective day if you took 15 seconds and just threw us a little five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Would that make your day, Ethan? I'd say so. I think also if, you know, all of my equipment didn't uh, keep breaking, and I didn't have to use a side table to put my mic up now, but yeah. Okay. I think a nice review would make me happy, too. I was just going for a simple yes, but Ethan has brought you behind the curtain a little bit on <laughs> on his desk setup. And then if you even had a little bit more time than that and wanted to actually you know, commit to like some text, you have the ability to do that as well on Apple Podcasts. And Georgia, would that make your day? It would make my day, but... If you don't feel we're worth five stars, then you can give us four stars and some constructive criticism in the review. That's fine, too. Let us know. We're not perfect. We know that. Wait, we're not? Well, I am. So five stars, please. (laughs) 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 Uh, But no, but thank you. trying to be humble. It's not. It's good. It's great to be humble. Um, um, So... If you just want to get in contact with us like Andrew did or like some of the other people who's been out there giving us some nice words of encouragement, can you can hit us up on the socials. Georgia, what would those socials be? We are at Talking the Mickey. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I told you I'm not perfect. At Talking the Mickey on Instagram and at Talk the Mickey on Twitter and talking the mickey on facebook yes yeah, so it's talking the mickey on instagram and the facebook and talk the mickey on twitter not our fault they just don't let us have that many letters on a twitter handle which is stupid so um with that in mind uh, let's really briefly because it would be it would be almost for what we do here it would almost be irresponsible not to address the fake cast list for the live action hercules that dropped uh, on the internet this week this past yeah. week, at least at least the week that we're recording this, it, it was it, it was kind of a big deal for a little bit. So I saw it shared on Facebook, and I thought it was real, so I got really excited and put it in our Facebook chat, and then apparently it was fake. Yeah, yeah, it is fake. But uh, here is the fantasy, and I love a good bit of fantasy casting. But what if they? I mean, maybe some of the, some of the, the high points. What did what did they come up with? Um, so I don't actually know this guy, but is it Noah Sen- Centineo? I can't read what it says. Ethan, do you know who that is, buddy? Uh, yeah, he's like, uh, he originally was like a YouTuber, Viner star, and he's, uh, in, oh god, what's it called, it's like, uh, To All the Boys I Love, or something oh, like that. Oh, I, I do before. know him, I've seen that. Yeah, he, he sort of does that in all the kind of real bad, uh, current year chick flicks. Yeah, and then, so he was, he was down to play Hercules, and then you've got Jodie Comer, um, who's in Killing Eve, and... Um, she was also in Dr. Foster as well. Okay. So two of my favourite TV dramas. Um, she's down to play Meg. Um, Jeff Goldblum to play Hades. Mm, that's a good one. Absolutely. Um, and uh, you've, of course, got uh, Jennifer Hudson as the as 
Calliope, which I believe is the lead of the kind of the muses. Was that one of the muses? Yeah, okay. I think so, yeah. And um, just uh, maybe who do they have um, for Hera and Zeus? Uh, so Hera is Helen, Min- Hel- Helen Mirren. Okay. <laughs> um, and Zeus, Ian McShane. Okay, so... And Danny, oh, Danny DeVito as, as Phil. Danny DeVito resuming his role from the cartoon as Phil. So if you're curious, maybe we'll put that up on our socials. If you haven't seen it, we'll put the one that they came up with up on the socials. But I thought it'd be kind of a fun way to start off today. If we just kind of went through what some of our thoughts might or could have been. I love a good bit of fantasy casting. So if we just sort of put a five-minute cap of what we're going to talk about here. But... Um, I don't know, what were people's thoughts for Hercules? Because I think it, d- d- it determines almost all the other casting. It just depends on who you have for Hercules. I, I don't so. like Noah Centineo as an actor. I, I, don't, try, think yeah, he's, I... I don't think he's that, that charming. Um, no, I, I agree with that. A, I don't think he's a good singer either. Um, I, I, I wrote down two different options for mine. Okay. Uh, for like a young Hercules and an old Hercules. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, just sort of because the, they came in sort of the same... I put Finn Wolfhart is of small Hercules because he's got a, his voice is pretty good. So hang on, are these two actors who are playing Hercules at different points in his life, or are these two different ideas you have for two different casts? Um, I'd say two different Hercules, like at different points. So like when he's small gotcha. and kind of young. Yeah, that's fine. So he'd be sort of the youngish Hercules before he gets like all big and strong. And then I put Adam Driver as big because oh, he he's built like a fridge he's he's great at character acting and his voice is really really good does he have that? i heard him in marriage story and the singing voice i think would work very well for the character of hercules and Do- he's very good at playing dumb does he have that boyish charm about him because i've only seen him in like gr- in gritty things i saw him in girls i saw him in black clansman and of course i've seen him in that uh, thing with the lightsabers um Oh yeah, I've not heard of that. The thing. bit, the bit where you get to like pass <laughs> objects behind your back to each other, which would be the that'd be a cool trick at parties. But so, do, do you think he could he could do that sort of? Because he's got to have kind of a boyish th- energy to him, doesn't he? Uh yeah. I, I've uh, the two sort of I, films I thought of mainly was uh, What If, which is like him and Daniel Radcliffe, and he is, is a complete he in What If. In that. Yeah, he plays his best friend, if. like his cousin. Okay. Uh, He's he's sort of like a buffoon in that one, and the other one I was thinking of is um, oh uh, Logan Lucky. He plays okay. like just the biggest sort of uh, sort of very stereotypical dumb, but doesn't want to get into things. But when he gets like real sort of goofy, he can play that sort of not charismatic, but like lovable rogue type character. Okay. So if you just want to run through like super quickly, kind of who you yeah. have under that idea then for Meg. Uh... Uh... Yeah, hmm. Meg, Hera, Phil, just kind of, just sort of Hades. quick, quick fire through them. Uh, for Meg, I've got Tessa Thompson. Okay. For Hera, I have Kate Blanchett because it's Kate Blanchett. Hades, I had as David Tennant. After seeing Good Omens, oh, I think wow. he'd be a perfect hmm. uh, choice for that. I like that. Uh, Zeus, I put Ron Perlman because he's very big and booming, and I think having Wait, is that Hellboy son, play is Zeus. that Sons of Anarchy? Okay, you say it's Hellboy, but yeah, it's Sons of Anarchy, yeah. Hellboy. Okay, yeah, very. Actually, uh, I was really looking for someone like kind of body yeah. type. Yeah, yeah. Panic and Pain, I have as three different people because um, I thought it'd be very interesting. I I stole from the fan cast, and I like the idea of Key and Peel, uh, but I also thought either Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Because they're very good at playing comedy duos, or Danny Pudi and Bobby Moynihan, uh, and that's only because their rapport in Ducktales is absolutely. You fantastic. see, I thought about Danny Pudi. I, I didn't do all those roles, but I thought mm-hmm. if, if I did do that, I had Danny Pudi down in my head for one of those two roles myself. So it's kind of interesting how mm-hmm. that goes. 
All right. And uh, oh, and for... from Muse, from Muse, the leader of the Muse, I can't remember her name. I put Kiara Settler because okay. she's she's got a fantastic voice as sort of a lead. Okay. Anything else? Uh, no, that's all because I forgot all of the other characters. No, you're totally uh, fine. Danny DeVito is great as is. Oh, you keep Danny DeVito. My, my, my inclination is to not reuse anybody from that list if I can help it. That was my sort of thing. But Georgia, if you can give us like your, your like big five. So Hercules, um, his parents, Hades, Phil, uh, so six, and Meg. Uh, see, I'm really, really crappy if you listen to Best Film Ever or other podcast at remembering the names of actors, um, and I'm really awful at it. Um, so... I kind of went, who do I think would be all right at Hades? And I went, not Hades, Hercules. I went, I like Cole Sprouse. I'm going to put Cole Sprouse as Hercules. So I think he's a good amazing job. You kind of have, you see, Kevin Smith has a joke where he says, whenever he's asked for any role, he always recommends Ben, ben Affleck. He says, you know, <laughs> even if they remade Jaws, the shark, Ben Affleck. Affleck can be the shark. <laughs> I think Cole Sprouse is your Ben Affleck. <laughs> it's like, what's it the role? Be. Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. I think he's great. I think he's versatile. We'll put Cole Sprouse as... Um, Hercules. We will put uh, myself as Megara because I'm great. Um, <laughs> and then as you've taken mm, fantasy casting to a whole new level, then <laughs> I, I really do. Different um, kind of fantasy. What's his mum's name? Forgot Hera. Hera. Uh, let's have. Um, oh, what's her name? Oh yes, her. Mamma Mia and Into the Woods. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Okay. Let's have Meryl Streep in there. Um, or oh, who do we want as Zeus? Who's big and booming as Zeus? Oh no! Going back to Good Omens, the guy who plays opposite Michael Sheen, David Tennant, Michael Sheen, okay. yeah, as Zeus, he can be, he can be Zeus, okay. yeah, he can be like the calm, nice, the and calm, then like, understated. Blah, 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 okay, blah, blah. fair enough. And you got CGI and stuff you can use, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I do Hades. very much like Jeff Goldblum as Hades. I think that's hilarious. But if I can't have him, then I'm gonna have Don Cheadle. Okay, oh. just, something, just something I remember. I mean, I'm just, just curious what your thoughts on it is. Just the idea that John, Don Cheadle is supposed to, Hades is supposed to be the brother of Zeus. I mean, he's blue in the film, though, isn't he? So Yeah, okay, fair enough, yeah. And they're gods, so I don't think it really matters. Okay, I might, I might borrow that logic in mind then for something you'll yeah, see. Yeah, I, I right. don't think it matters at all, does it? If they, I mean, they're gods, who cares? Okay. Um... um who did I have in? I mean, can we have Dick and Dom as um, <laughs> as his sidekicks? I think that'd be hilarious. Who are Dick and Dom? Oh uh, my goodness! Child entertainers from the UK. Oh, are they really? Okay. They had a they had a they had a kid show called Dick and Dom and the Bungalow, and the whole thing was that they'd throw goo at children. That sounds worse saying that, but they also yeah. You're a teacher. Have you ever had a, someone say bogeys in a classroom? Bogeys, no. What? Oh. Uh, in, not, in, not, in not the, the early two thousands, it was a big thing that someone would scream bogeys, and the competition was who can say it the loudest. Oh, really? Yeah, um, that originated from it may, them. It might have. I don't know. Things get shouted in classrooms. Uh, <laughs> not not recently because we don't really have <laughs> classrooms are all very empty. <laughs> just shout. Just type it into your Zoom chat. Next yeah, time. So, I'll mute everybody. I'll be like, if you're trying to shout it, you're, you've you've all been muted. You realize that, right? <laughs> all right, Ellie. Who do you have for your big big six roles? Uh, I didn't do big six. Okay. Um, I've, I haven't seen Hercules for ages, so I've just done Hercules, Meg, Hades and Phil. So Hercules, I've put Channing Tatum because, you know, he's he's pretty buff and uh, apparently he can sing too. So same, yeah. uh, same, same question as Adam Driver. Are they, are, they, are they too old? 
I don't know, but I couldn't think of anyone else. I, right. I was really struggling to think of someone with like big arms. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if I can't have Jodie Comer as Meg, because I do love her, although I've never heard her sing, um, I think Ariana Grande. Well, that um, is who you were hearing about for, for Meg. Okay. Yeah, that is someone who's supposed to be legit, like not on the picture, but legit, legit, supposed to be Ariana Grande. I don't know how oh, I feel about that. too high pitched. No, we watched her in, um, in Hairspray Live on the on the youtube oh she uh, was good go she on. was good it's and a different energy but yeah yeah i think i think she'd be inter- but i think she could do that kind of like sassy okay vibe as well for meg um i i just left it as jeff goblin for oh. for hades i think i think he'd be really good but i also agree with david tennant having seen him in um things like jessica jones as well he's he does like oh, kind of yeah. creepy isn't he a villain in really harry potter as well, well? Yeah, 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 like kind of actually the combination Barty Crouch, of is that how, the name? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. a combination of how he is in Jessica Jones and um and Harry Potter would be really good actually. Um and then for Phil I put Josh Gad. He no, he does too many of those roles and he, he sounds like a He does feel he does I mean okay, so when it was mine, I'll do mine. I tried to stay away from people who had appeared in live action remakes already. Sorry, I didn't realize we had so many rules. No, no, I was just saying what I was just saying what I, I didn't say what you should have done. I said what oh, I tried okay. to for crying out loud. People are so defensive. So what I tried to do was stay away from that. And I thought I might go a different a different road down this way here because I really struggled with, with Hercules because for a while I tried to find uh, I almost built the whole thing around Jordan Prentice who if you know 13 reasons why plays Bryce no, I tried. I, I almost did. I almost did. But that was the problem. I went because he, he had the look I wanted. But I went. There's no way you can divorce in your brain what Bryce does. Can you? Like he can't be the I hero. See Hercules, though. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. see him be like Hercules threatened to kill a child. <laughs> no, I'm not good with that. So I'm gonna go a different road. I'm gonna go with John Boyega as my Hercules. I like that. I like that a lot. So I'm gonna go with John Boyega. I'm going to have Meg, no matter what, was going to be Emma Stone. Meg is Emma Stone. Emma Stone is Meg. Give Let Emma Stone play all the parts, as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> is I think, Emma Stone your Don Cheadle, not Don Cheadle Cosprouse? <laughs> I don't think I've ever said Emma Stone in one of these before. But uh, I do think Emma Stone, Meg's really interesting because she has to be all things to all people. And she has to be whimsical and at times has to be seductive and at times has to be innocent and vulnerable. And I do think Emma Stone can do all those things, including that quirkier side, which you can sort of play with. Uh, for Phil... The temptation would be Danny DeVito, but I said I don't want – I mean, but if I'm forced to go somewhere else, which I sort of challenge myself to do, I'm going to do Ty Burrell from Modern Family. Phil, oh, I Phil like Dunphy. that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. For who, sorry? For Phil. Okay. Phil for Phil. For Hades, um, I'm going to go with Jamie Foxx. As my Hades, if you've seen Horrible Bosses, you can sort of see the kind of comedic villain character Jamie Foxx can play. Uh, for Zeus, I've got Terry Crews. Oh, cool. Freaking love Terry Crews. For, and for Hera, I've got uh, Tandy Newton from, uh, you might recognize her from Mission Impossible 3 or from Westworld. She's in both of those things there. So she's got a fun, strong female energy, but just a little bit more than just your typical uh, role. So, yeah, I mean, I because uh, I really went, I couldn't find anybody young who I liked. Um, 
sort of down what you would might traditionally think. And the two names that came to me were Boyega and Michael B. Jordan. And eventually I went with Boyega, had more of a boyish charm, I decided, than Michael B. Jordan. So therefore I had built my whole cast around that. So yeah. Georgia? What's the real what's the real name of Childish Gambino? Oh, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Donald Donald Glover I, as Hercules. Without that's, without that's huge without huge amounts of CGI, I didn't see him doing the Hercules side right. Mm. I had him they doing young just, Hercules, just like have zero. Him as young Hercules, and then swap in <laughs> Terry Crews for big Hercules. <laughs> big, big Hercules, like forty five. Yeah. No, no Zeus. I really love Terry. How Cruz. much fun He's could you great. have with Terry Crews just like shouting Zeus lines? Oh, I love Terry. I'm Zeus. Can we have Terry Crews as everything. Can we have Terry Crews as, as Hades as well? No. So. Uh, I tell you who I, I, I there was a couple people who I really wanted to get in in various places. I almost had Ricky Gervais in an alternate one as my Hades. I thought that kind of smarmy "I'm better than you" thing would have been really really interesting, uh, but there's only so many uh, people. Um, I also wanted to find a spot. I almost tempted with Helena Bottom Carter as Hades in a different Ooh. version. Yeah, and go and go female. But I, uh, it, it just. You can see, I, I, when I was challenging yours, I thought once we kind of went down one um, ethnicity for, for Hercules, you kind of had to sort of stay uh, within that sort of casting specter throughout. Um, yeah, see, I wasn't bothered by throughout. that because yeah. Zeus, Zeus is white in the cartoon, but Hades is blue. Hades is so, blue. That's, I mean, that's a fair shout. With flames out of his head, so, you know. Yeah. I thought Zeus was orange. Well, they're all like really, really like uh, everybody in the gods region is all. Um, what sort of looking like for here? Oh, don't they? They have like an aura uh, around they're like, them. They're like oversaturated in, in, in the color palette, and everything turns paler when you go to the real world. So that was our little, just fun little fantasy cast on Hercules. Let's go ahead now and hop on to Newsies, and this is the part where I usually ask the person why this film, and this is me. So I chose this film because. Um, we have been in live action for a while. It's a good bit of fun. The songs have never left me low these 28 years. And um, it was another one that my sister liked to listen to a lot. But this one, unlike Mary Poppins, didn't really get underneath my skin. I think because I we, we had slightly more VHS tapes by this point. So unlike Mary Poppins, <laughs> where it was like the one thing she could play over and over and over again, uh, Newsies was just part of a bigger rotation. And although it had a fairly prominent... Uh, presence, it wasn't quite the uh, ice pick to the brain that Mary Poppins ended up being for me. So, that is Newsies. So, Newsies, or as it was released in the UK, The Newsboys, uh, is a. <laughs> it's not as catchy, is it's it? It's not nearly as catchy. 1992 American musical comedy drama film uh, produced by Walt Disney Pictures, directed by choreographer Kenny Ortega, who did the choreography for Dirty Dancing. So that's a big shout out to Liam wherever he is because his ears just perked up. Uh, and this was his film directing debut. And he would later go on to direct other Disney features like Hocus Pocus and the High School Musical Trilogy. Um, it's loosely based on the 1899 uh, Newsboy strike in New York City. And it was really supposed to be a drama. And then Jeffrey Katzenberg saw the success that Little Mermaid has as a musical and then he decided that everything should be a musical. And so he hired Alan Menken to write some 12 original songs for this. And it was the first live action musical since Peach Dragon in 1977 that Disney did. Um, the cast trained in dance and martial arts for eight to ten weeks. Beginning in February 91 until April, until they started filming. And then that went from late April to July. So actually it wasn't, the actual filming window wasn't that big. 
and it absolutely bombed at the box office. The budget was $15 million. They made $2.7 million back at the box office. No. Yeah. The uh, It was mostly negative to mixed reviews. Its Rotten Tomatoes score is 39%. And it was nominated for five Razzies. Razzies being the opposite of the Oscars. These are the worst films of the year. It was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Supporting Actor, Robert Duvall, Worst Supporting Actress, uh, oh, what's her name? Anne Margaret. And worst original song. And I'm not going to tell you which song. I want you to see if you can guess from the roster as we go through them which song was the worst song. And if you're wrong at home, why don't you have a go? Avoid the temptation to Google this and just think which song could be the worst song. So the irony is the songs were done, as we said, by Alan Menken. So he won the uh, Razzie for worst original song. And then the next night at the Oscars, he won two Oscars for best original song and best <laughs> score for Aladdin. So he really had a best of worst of times. Um, and yet the picture would later gain a cult following on home video. And it, it was true. It was one of those things that kind of got around through word of mouth and it really spread. It was ultimately adapted into a highly successful stage adaptation on Broadway. We've discovered you can find the musical on Disney+. Plus. The play was nominated for eight Tony Awards, including two for... for uh, it won two, sorry, including Best Original Score for Alan Menken. So maybe he had his redemption. He later would say, I knew Newsies was good. I knew it was good, despite all the backlash. But I put it in that chest you kind of have in your mind of things you think that are really good, but everyone else just doesn't get. And he said he was really glad when the public kind of came around on it. So um, Ortega, the director, was quoted as saying that Disney first realized there was a potential audience when they learned that high schools had been putting together unofficial musical productions of Newsies without Disney's permission for years. So... What they did was they actually made a proper musical so they could charge these schools rights fees for the music they were using. (laughs) So if you think about what the plot of Newsies is, the big bad evil corporation picking on the children to squeeze every last penny they can out of them. (laughs) It's like how tone deaf or lack of self-aware is the Walt Disney Corporation at times? Oh, don't Uh, worry. Imitating life. life. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen I've seen some high school productions of Newsies, and I really hope that they got every cent squeezed out because they're not good. Not. They're never good. It's just a load of ad- adolescent fifteen year olds thinking they can do cartwheels and flips and just looking like drunk dads trying to be ninjas. <laughs> okay, so um, let's start our deep dive. We have um, this story is based on. Actual events hits the screen. And the actual events were, there was a newsboy strike from 1999. It lasted uh, 13 days in the summer of 1899. The leader of the strike was a one-eyed young man named Louis Belletti, nicknamed Kid Blink, who spoke with a heavy Brooklyn accent that was often phonetically transcribed when he was quoted by newspapers. Uh, The actual strike, though, ended with a compromise. The World and Journal, the papers, agreed to buy back any unsold copies of the newspapers. And that's how they made their peace with the Newsies. Not nearly as exciting as we're going to charge you less. Uh, And then we start off with a bunch of sepia kind of images and some narration by Max Casella, uh, known as Racetrack. He was always talking about having a tip on a horse. He was the oldest member of the cast, actually, whether you believe it or not. Um... 
And then we have the baby newsies are sleeping. And it's supposed to be time for them to get up and sell their papers. I'm, I don't know what your image is of, of, of newspaper boys, but shouldn't the sun be a lot lower in the sky when these guys are getting up to get their papers? And especially if it's supposed to be summer, yeah. Like, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, the idea being, well, actually, if it's summer, it would actually explain why it was so bright, because the sun would come up super, super early. Because the sun would have been up since, like, 4 a.m., right? So therefore, at six, it's high in the sky. But still the idea being, if you want to get me the idea, like everybody else is awake and like really awake. And yet this group of like a hundred boys are just like all chilled. Um, And then uh, we have one kid who's having a hard time waking up. And wouldn't you believe it's baby Bale, baby Batman himself. He looks so young. He does look so young. He is so young. And an interesting perspective was when he first accepted it, Christian Bale had been led to believe it was a drama and not a musical. And so uh, he said uh, he was embarrassed to tell his friends. And later when he realized it was a musical, he asked the director if maybe he could duck over here into the pub while the numbers were going on and then come out when it was over. He hoped he could be the lead in the musical without doing any singing or dancing. But eventually (laughs) said, let's do it. I never liked musicals. And even then I knew I'd never do anything like that again. And he has said, that he learned very early in his career, don't badmouth Newsies because there's a lot of fans out there who really love Newsies. And so he said since, he's learned to make his peace with it, but said it <laughs> did take him a while to be okay with that idea. So, um, and then we have our first song, Carrying the Banner, which is all right. And this is when they're all talking about where's the best place you should go if you want to sell your papers. And uh, we have... Our real uh, boy, who's who they all call Cripple, Crutchy, who's got some sort of undisclosed slight ailments, his leg hurts or, or, or something. He can't walk that well. Uh, and he says his image, the problem is, all, he says, does my, does my uh, limp look convincing to you? Because there's so many fake cripples, no one's actually giving me paper. He needs a new gimmick because being crippled isn't enough for him anymore. <laughs> We're just gonna, and they're talking about where do you go to sell your papers? Well, first got to consider is where are there are people who can read. And yeah. then go, who's going to go ahead and buy your papers? And it's a fun little song that introduces us to the world of the Newsies. Um, at one point, there's a ginger kid who's like, he's not working as a Newsie. He's working in the, in the printing of the newspapers. And he tells the other kids to get the lead out of your pants. And I was like, that's a nice throwback to last week. And we tried to thought, well, what is the meaning of get the lead out? And so apparently gingers and Canadians are the people who say that sort of term. And there's a real sweet moment when the nuns are giving the boys bread and trying to save them. And a mother comes by and she's looking for her son. And we never, we never have any payoff to this. She never comes back. Mm-hmm. But it does speak to the negative side of what it meant to be a newsie. It wasn't a family-friendly situation. Boys disappeared, and that's what she was looking for her son. And his mother loves you. God save my son is what she says in the lyrics. And mm-hmm. it was really powerful. And shout out to her because she had a cracking voice. Yeah, she was good. She was good. Just for, like, a couple of little lines. She was great. Um, and so... 
I've gotten my, there's a lot of group shots, and Christian Bale looks like he's not that into it, I gotta admit. And I don't know if me knowing this little bit of context, like, drew my eye to him more, but I'm like, he looks like he's going through the motions. And there's a great set of New York City, and they had to build that all for Newsies because there was arson, like, the day before they started shooting or something like that, and burnt down most of a set. Which is sort of convenient, because they wanted to change some things anyway, so it's a little bit suspicious. <laughs> and another film ended up wanting this set And it was Bram Stoker's Dracula So there's a combination you don't expect to see too much Newsies and Bram Stoker's Dracula um, And we get our look at the character designs of a Newsies It's all very, it's, it's, a, it's a good look, isn't it, Georgia? This is your kind of thing, the sort of costuming and whatnot Yeah, it's really, really nice It's pretty iconic though now um, That look of the the cap, the like waistcoat and a handkerchief around their neck is very much if you dressed up like that people would know what you were dressing as i think it's and even within a time frame like 1899 we learned if you were a bowler hat but looked the same you were a different class than you were if you wore the flat cap and so you know it was little touches and one of the little touches is jack is the only one who gets a little splash of color jack gets the Mm -hmm. red on his neckerchief everybody else is kind of have these muted earth tones but jack gets that and a different hat he gets a different hat and we get yeah because he's a cowboy isn't he and then we get David and his little brother, whose name is Less. So if you think about Less is more, I was like, you know, there's less of him. He's small. <laughs> I was like, all right. Um, and he's less than David. He's le- sorry. He's less than what? Less than David. Yes, he is. And so, like, date um, the Delancey boys, whose name I just pulled out of thin air, are chasing Jack because for some reason the Delancey boys thought they could take on like 150 newsies. But they're gonna they're gonna like run away. They're uh, gonna chase down Jack and beat him up. We have 104 of his friends looking on. But anyway, uh, David and Jack kind of have their first meeting, and David like judgmentally goes, "What do you think you're doing?" And the response is running, and he runs away. And that's our meet cute. And then no, he's not running because two seconds later he starts doing this massive dance number again. So the Delancey boys catch up, if you could believe it, and they fight them off. And then the song ends and they open the gates and it's time for business. My question is, do they do this every morning? I put in my notes, I hope they do. <laughs> is it like, oh, it's 8.25, time to start the time to start the musical number. Here we go. Oh, sorry, sorry I'm late for work, boss. Was it? If you say the news he's got in your way again, you're fired. Uh, but they always get him away. You should know at this point that at 8.25, the newsies do their little break dance. Oh, it's almost rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't realize you hated my joke that much. No. <laughs> uh, so then it's about time to get your papers. And Jack's first in line. He asks for a hundred. And the film makes sure we hear the next kid asks for fifty, and the next kid asks for thirty. So we know Jack is the best. Um, and then um, enter David, and he comes up, and he gets twenty papers, and he's shortchanged. And this is where Jack, man of the people, comes and backs him up and says, borrow some money and gets the kid 50 papers because he wants to do a little bit of a a partnership where they'll split all of David's papers 50-50. And this is where we get the result. Well, the headline's not even very good. And we find out headlines don't sell papes. Newsies sell papes. If you say papes, you fit in with the uh, papes because papers is too much word. Too much word, too many words to to, to get out. <laughs> Apparently, you had the S was 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 too many letter for me to uh, bring the party. Um, it's like Kevin in the office. 
Yes. <laughs> why why big use big word, word when, when short word do? Uh, no. <laughs> um, and just before they go out to sell, it's a wide shot, and there's a girl who walks from right to left, and they all leer after her. That girl is Christian Bale's girlfriend. <laughs> Christian Bale was determined to get everybody who he knew into this film. His sister had a role in one of the scenes of the, oh, what was the name of the singer, the entertainer who they hang, hang out with, I should like, kind of loosely. Mad, 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 does the dog have any awareness he's in a film or his feelings hurt? I mean, is he going to opening night? He's like, guys, 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 I got cast in this new movie. It's about newsies. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. He's trying to upstage the guy from Cats and Dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then enter Mr. Pulitzer, played by Robert Duvall. Now, Robert Duvall is an Oscar-winning actor. Like Robert Duvall is an acting legend. Um, how do we think he did here? Shocking. Shocking. Is that good or is that bad? Bad. Okay. Really bad. Which one is he? Mr. Pulitzer. He's the, the villain of the piece. The one who owns the the the. He owns jail. the newspaper. He owns the newspaper. Oh, him. The guy the with, the with the beard. beard. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm back in. Back okay. in it. I told you I was really bad with names. And you know he's the villain of the piece because he walks over to the window and says, there's lots of money out there. There's lots of money out there. You need to know how he can get more (sighs) of it. And then there's a pause and he goes, by tonight. I I don't know. so typical villain and it's like, oh. I don't know if the bad writing is saved by the the charisma of the kids in a lot of this stuff or whoever wrote it. But anything that involved the adults, it was just like evil League of Evil writing. So they determined they're going to have a meet. They need to make more money, but we'll have the meeting about that tonight. <laughs> Which, what's the agenda item? How to make more money. Okay, I've got it. <laughs> Send out the minutes. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> and so also the fact that Mr. Pulitzer has a magnifying glass and has to read out like the headline. Like we made fun of Brave, of Merida going one, two, Three. He's like, even without the magnifying glass, I can read the headline. But he's supposed to go, Trolley's Workers Strike enters third week. Is this the best we can do for a headline? I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a new headline man on it. We figured out, well, we'll pay him double what, what you know. But that's how, that's how, you know, they got him in the first place. So this is the problem is you're spending all your money on, uh, on workers. He goes, well, let's think about, we'll table the discussion on how to make more money until later in the movie, shall we? <laughs> and um, then Jack goes We cut the Jack And he's selling newspapers Out by some illegal boxing ring And it's like round 53 Of the fight Because that's the way it worked back then It was bare knuckle fight And you didn't uh, you, The fight didn't end Until someone was knocked out So the fights would last all day And uh, he makes up And embellishes And twists the news And I'm sitting there going A lot hasn't changed In 121 years Has it? <laughs> you just misrepresent and spin it so it sounds the most sensational so people will buy your product um, and then 
I don't know, the guy Snyder from The Refuge, who we don't really know who he is at this point. We just know that Jack doesn't like him. And Jack and David run away. And Les. And Les. They run away. And Les has mastered the whole, <coughs> buy me last pate, mister. I'm now, sick. Now, why he has to be English when he's sick, I don't know. But it is very much an English <laughs> accent when he does it. I hadn't thought about that. That was quite funny. So, um, but they go ahead and, and, and they run away. And this gives us a great chance for every 30 seconds for David to stop and say, I'm not running anymore until you tell me some more exposition. And they repeat this a few times. And they finally go into Meta Larson's singing shop. What was Meta Larson? Well, she was dressed like a prostitute. Yeah, I, 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 first she was in go in, I thought this was like this was like a brothel. Yeah, the first go in. I did. Go on, have I forgotten what this movie's about? Okay, I guess she was supposed to be like a cabaret performer. But David's not interested in her singing ability. Like David's like that's a. This is the first time he's been on board all movies. Yep. Like that's a woman. Yep. Anyway, she sings a little bit of a thing. Oh, but she does say, "Oh, who's this?" And then Les goes. <laughs> Buy me last paint, miss? And she goes, oh, you're good. Take it from one professional to another. And I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> what profession? What kind of prof- is it the world's oldest profession? Is that what we're talking about? She's, she's an actress as well because she says she's Russian or something on her poster. Swedish. And puts an accent on when she's singing and when she's talking. But oh. she's obviously not. She's just from New York. On that note, there were moments in this film where Pulitzer felt like he was putting an accent on. But only moments. I'd be very, I, there's not enough on this film. There's more of it than there was in the wild, but there's not a whole lot. I'd be very curious to see what the heck uh, Duvall was trying to do with this role because I think the Razzie's very well earned. And and Margaret, who plays Meta Larson, uh, Larson, is also nominated for a Razzie for her performance in this film. Um, so, I don't think she's in it enough to justify that, though. No. Yeah, you know what? There's, there's not a bad. I mean, she doesn't win, but yeah, but there's, there's definitely a point to that. Um, and then we hear about the future in Santa Fe and what he wants to do when he gets to Santa Fe. Uh, he being Jack, and I'm going. How many papers have you sold? Like, unless we yada yada over like ninety papers being sold. Like, what has happened here? Well, they must have sold something because they do eventually um, get to his house. But before we do that, there's a protest in New York. Cops versus protesters. And fire. I'm not saying anything. And I'm, I'm just, saying nothing. I'm just going, again, how much has the world changed in 121 years? We, we see the, poli- the We see the police being used as kind of a brute squad to just I... stamp down protest. It's, it's, it's really, um, it's timely. There's a, bit in the, there's a bit in the film later on as well when the police turn a blind eye to the brutality going on from yeah. the paper boys and you kind of go, shit me. Yeah. Like nothing's changed. Yeah. I think there was a bit there's a bit later on, I'll get to it when we do, but there's like a bit where I was like, Oh, this is just like getting a bit too real for a for for like a musical, even even like from yeah. from the past, like for now. You're not wrong. So then we get to David's house and we find out that uh Jack thinks that he after he's introduced to the family, Jack tells David's father that we can move a thousand papers a week. And dad's really impressed with how much money they've brought in. And uh we meet Sarah, and we meet why David has to sell because his dad's got his arm in a sling and has been unfairly let go from the factory, even though the accident happened at the factory. And we've got a very romantic sort of mini plot starts to kind of develop between Sarah and Jack. 
And maybe it's a good point to go, what'd you think of this? Was it necessary? Was it good? Was it, I mean, this isn't a great film for, this isn't a great film for women. Can we just say that? Yeah. There's like two. Yeah. I think, I think the historical context kind of forces us down that road, but I think they really try to shoehorn these two female characters in to begin with anyway. Yeah. They, both of them just seemed completely unnecessary. Like I don't see what Meda's point was. And Sarah was just there to be a bit of a romantic interest. She could have got all of her plot points without. See, I don't think you can do the ending without Sarah. No. Sarah has to be there for, for Jack's decision. Mm. Okay. I think, I think we can talk about it when we get to the end there, but I, I think the film's a lot, a lot harder to believe if she's not there. But I will say, the it, the the love interest doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense here, or even in the musical, because in the musical they swip they swap it completely. Sarah doesn't exist, and it's um, oh, really, yeah, it's actually. Oh no, I forgot his name. It's the uh, the journalist. The journalist has been switched to a woman and becomes the love interest in the Broadway musical, or at least in the oh. Disney one. Becomes Jack's love interest. Yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. I, they have more of like an amorous thing, like flirting throughout. That makes sense. So and much I, more I sense. remember seeing them and be like, that's just a weird change for the thing. Because they were like, we need Jeremy Jordan to be like all flirty with like a, a, a more prominent character instead of, you know, giving Sarah an actual okay. character. So originally, uh, I didn't get the actress's name, but the first person who they had in mind was Mila Jokovic. Uh, who oh, you might know from the Resident Evil film series, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, and. Is it, is it, no, it's not Evil Dead. It's Underworld. Underworld. Those two little yes. things. Yeah. And uh, they found her to be too uh, abrasive, though. So they found the girl who uh, was cast that she had a really genuine chemistry with Christian Bale right from the off. And originally she was supposed to have a song, and they went, no, nah, it doesn't make sense for her to sing here. Uh, just, with, <laughs> not, not, just, just because within the story, it was like a forced song. There was no reason to have it. It didn't feel like an, an organic manifestation of a story. It was just. It just was what it was. But I feel like if they put that song in there, it might have made her character make a bit more sense and have a bit more development to it and well, as kind long of grounded as it, her. As more. long as it's an organic song. I mean, uh, we all do uh, musical theater together. And Spamalot's got a song where the lead actress comes on and sings Whatever Happened to My Part because it's been far too long mm-hmm. since she... Like, you know, at least not when you address it, but if it's just, okay, we don't want her to disappear for an hour. Here's a song just so you remember who she is. Yeah. Like, it, that can just feel as forced as everything else. Uh, and it's and as Ethan says, if you consider the fact that she was cut from the the, the musical, you're going. They couldn't make it work, I guess. Yeah, because it was Mankin the second time through. I will say, um, I have an idea of where she could have a song, even if it's a short one, and I'll bring it up when it gets to that point in the plot. Cool. Um, but it's right near the end. But I'll, oh, okay. I'll bring it up for like where she could have that song. I'm, I might, yeah, I'm going to come back with a counter-argument potentially with that, but I look forward yeah. to hearing it. No problem. And then, so they leave. They offer him a place to stay for the night, but he goes, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. I got people waiting for me. And, he, and you can tell that, what, I mean, uh, 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 what's his, the brother's name? David. David. Davia said, uh, you know, a lot of you seems like you improve the truth. And so there's always that element with Jack of how much is true, because he says things like, yeah, I got a fa- or your family reminds me of my family. They're just waiting for getting things ready for me in Santa Fe. And you're going, I don't really buy much of this. And then he leaves and says, no, I got people to look out for me. And as he walks away, he sings Santa Fe, which I thought Santa Fe is a lovely song. Yep. It's very mm. much the 
third song in the musical where we get the what the protagonist wants, isn't it? It is that it is that typical like musical structure, isn't it? The I, I want like song, song in the third yeah. <laughs> third spot on the Yeah, the third spot, what does the protagonist want? Yes. Um I I like this song, don't get me wrong. Oh that but, rhymed. But I don't think Christian Bale is a good singer, especially for this song. I, I think he he's he's very there's a lot of there's not enough energy and I think it's very it's it's almost monotone in the way that he sings it. My first note, Bale's not a great singer. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's not, is he? Um, and it's okay, this, but it's not anything special. I mean, if you consider they, they 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 recorded most of this before they shot the film, it's just going like this is your best take. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is the best of everything. And then just a few years, you were getting used to. Let's face it, what's very much like a C minus kind of performance in the song. We get a one man dance sequence in like the a, middle of. It was like a cowboy a, dance sequence. I thought it was like a break dance break. I don't know what it was, but again, I enjoyed it. It was. I mean, that's. I mean, if you have any doubts about your abilities whatsoever, you would, that would have to feel so awkward. Yeah. And it came off. I, I don't know if it came off well. I don't know. But then, like Jack steals a horse. You hear the guy go, hey, that's my horse. And I'm like, wait, you're supposed to be my hero. You just stole some guy's horse for the sake of your song. You let it go back, though. It's fine. I don't know if you noticed. Red Dead Redemption's like most of this most of this musical. He grabs the horse, and as he rides away, his hat is behind his neck, bobbing. He comes around the corner, and this big, in Santa Fe are, and the hat's firmly on his head. As he's just gone around the corner. So it went from behind him to right on. And then he's in slow-mo, like, takes the hat off again. And I'm like, this is such a continuity error. You guys have totally screwed this up. Um, I mean, he could have put it on whilst he was going around the corner. We see him ride with no hands uh, later on. It's fun. Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because he does. Because he does the whole, uh, he sort of spreads his arms out in like a crucifix pose almost. like he's And he leans back. And for most of it, we see a long shot of him on the horse leaning back. But we get one shot from above him and looking down on him. It's much, much closer, and we do not see the horse. And that's because he's on the shoulders of his stunt manager in that shot. (laughs) 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 So imagine, like, arms out, neck tilted back, singing to the sky, and you're on some guy's shoulders (laughs) as you do this. I don't know why. I'm guessing because the horse wouldn't go slow enough at a trot or he couldn't feel secure enough. So the other guy would go, no, I've got you by the legs is what I imagine it was. Yeah, you know, I've grabbed you by the legs. You're not going anywhere. Uh, And we can get this shot. So, yeah. Now we cut from Santa Fe back to the meeting that had to wait till later in the film with uh, Mr. Pulitzer, who owns the paper, and his cronies. Um. And the question is, we need to make more money. And they'll go, hmm, hmm, how to make more money? And like the weaselly, thin, pencil, mustached, geek kind of guy. was my favorite crony. Was it crony? <laughs> um, it's very much like Pulitzer's got like a devil and like an angel on his shoulders. Because the one guy is just like the nicest guy ever for most of it. But he's like the big burly guy. You're like, shouldn't you be the jerk? But it's backwards. Yeah. And he goes... I've got an idea. We need to raise the prices. And he goes, I'm in a war. I'm in a war with Hearst. I cannot do it. He'll just undercut me. And then we will wait. And then, then he'll beat me in the war. Is that what you want? And he goes, not that. The distribution price. And of course, this is where the, the other guy whose name I had written down. And now I forget it. Oh, it was Sykes. It was like Bill, Bill, Bill Sykes. Kind of a concept. And Sykes goes, charge the newsies more for their papes? 
and he even uses the word papes, so we know he's not so bad. He speaks the lingo. He's one of them. One I of us. He, one of us. And he goes, uh, well, and he goes, well, I don't really want to do that. And then he goes, well, it's either that or cut down the salaries at the top end. At which point Duvall starts, goes, let me think about it. And he goes, chickity, chickity, chickity. He's doing math in his head and he's like computing like an old time cash machine. And eventually he just goes, it's a lot of money. And he goes, but what about the newsies? And he goes, well, it's okay because if I do it, Hearst will also do it. And so will everybody else. I'm going, a minute ago, you were like, Hearst will take advantage of every opportunity to undercut you and win the war. If I'm Hearst, I just tell the newsies. Yeah, you can sell my papers. And then what happens? The market's flooded with the other newspaper. Like, this this plot makes no sense. But they just, they, they just have, Duvall, can you just say, like, everybody will do it and then the audience will trust you? And for the most part, I think the audience goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. It makes no sense. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. It makes sense in the eyes of, like, a, a stupid tycoon businessman. And I think that's the point. Is because... Well, we just got told, though... That uh, Pulitzer can't raise his prices because there's no way Hearst will do the same thing. But when it's like we can charge the newsies more, it's okay. Hearst will do the same thing. I'm going, which one is it? Well, I think because one is losing money and one is like making money easily, isn't it? It doesn't affect them if they make the newsies pay more. Whereas if they have to put the price of their newspaper up, that's a direct reflection on them and not just the people that work for them. And then we got, like, such a 1%, like, ruling class kind of statement. Oh, the newsies will, they'll appreciate it. They'll see it as a challenge. <laughs> they'll see it as a challenge. It's like, poor people like it when you take it. It builds resilience. It's big boomer <laughs> energy. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make them pay extra for the things that's helping them live. Uh, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be like, oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. They'll help us live more. No. And then we cut to the next day, and now Les has gone from awkward new guy to, like, he's, like, Jack's right-hand man. Because the newsies find out their papers cost more. And Jack's got to sit down. Of course, Les, let him think. Let him think, everybody. Come on, Jack. What's your idea, Jack? Come on, Jack. This is basically all the kid did. I think they said just ad-libs, like, supportive statements and just repeat everything. <laughs> and so... um. And so they goes, well, we just won't buy it. Like a strike? Yeah, like a strike. And they go, well, let's not rush into this. These kids need their jobs. And so um, Davey's kind of on, on the fence about the whole thing. But Christian Bale's all in. And Jack asks everybody, do you think we should strike? And the kid, Les, whose father has sent them to work as newsies because he doesn't have enough money to feed his family... <laughs> So much so that he needs to take both his eldest son and his youngest son out of school to raise money for the family after half a day of working as a newsie. (laughs) Go, yeah, strike. Like, what if this was their first day? They wouldn't know they were being screwed. It's a good thing they started work the day before. (laughs) (sighs) I made a song, The World Will Know. And the world will know. It's a great, like, everybody sing angry at the uh, the powers that be sort of song, isn't it? It's very much their, like, One Day More or whatever from Les Mis, isn't it? Or their... Um, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, that's the one. I, ha- I have later on, is Newsies nothing more than just Les Mis for kids. This was the song that got me. It was, like, all these people coming together, like, to stop everything. And I was like, oh, this is just 
really like hitting me like ev- in like every possible emotion. And I think it was like it was it was a good musical for us to watch, especially right now. I think there's three songs which are kind of like they're bam, bam, bam. Here's our three big ones, and you hit them in a row. It's mm. like it's like a baseball lineup. In baseball, the first guy up is just supposed to be a speedy guy to sort of hit the table, get him on base. He's not supposed to do any big damage. The which is kind of like your the banner, whatever it was, song. But the second song is kind of like your uh, like second batter, and he comes on up and he just tries to do a little bit more to get things started. And that was a uh, oh. The second song, Santa Fe. Never mind. It was my whole logic. Anyway, but second, third, fourth. Santa Fe, World Will Know, and the following song are your three big songs, I think, from Newsies. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that. I think King of New York is is, is an absolute banger of like a, a memorable song as well. Interesting. They 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 do use that one for the credits, so we'll come back to that at the end. Mm. Um the world will know. Uh, and so we get it. The Jack gets his ideas from Davey, but Davey doesn't have the charisma. So it's very Liam and Noel Gallagher. Like one of them doesn't have the ability, <laughs> but one of them doesn't have the like charisma. And so that's the issue we have here. And so that's kind of what needs to happen. And Jack gets all his ideas from Davey, but Davey's arguing out of both sides of his mouth. He's like going, we can't do this. You can't just go ahead and say you're a union. And Jack's going, yeah, you can because we said so. I was like, well, they just stand up for our rights. Okay, stand up for our rights. And um, Davey is even a great shot. The cinematography wasn't brilliant, but you can get the idea that this was directed by a choreographer. Because there's a shot where, like, we go through all the boys who are kind of, like, standing there. And we get a shot of Davey, and Davey's looking conflicted. He doesn't know what to do. He's not joining in with the singing in this song. And... I've gotten my notes because it's a long shot. I want I want Davy's part because it's a giant dance number that even Crutchy, the crippled kid, has to like <laughs> join in with, and Davy just gets to stand there. And I'm like, this is the part I want. I can look. Maybe con- that's the part Christian Bale should have played if Maybe. he didn't want to be in a musical. <laughs> he's going. He's going. I'm going to do a one man dance number, and that guy just gets to walk through everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and though at the end, though, when it finally ends. Jack is, sorry, not Jack, Davy is front and center and sings the last note and raises his fist in unison with everybody else. And he's now on board with the strike. And this is where we enter Bill Pullman, the reporter who plays Denton, who his biggest, um, his biggest hit was Independence Day. That was his real big movie kind of hit. I don't know if he was in the sequel. I never saw it. I think he explodes. I can't remember. <laughs> Don't ruin it for me in case I ever do want to watch the crappy remake. Um, but anyway, he comes on out. And he was a big deal at this point. And then this is off to the side because he's just watching. They find out we need ambassadors. And they go, who's going to go to Coney Island? I'll go to Coney Island. Who's going to go to Harlem? I'll go to Harlem. Who's going to go to Brooklyn? I, was, oh, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. I don't want to go to Brooklyn. Because it's, it's, where, it's where Spock Conlon is. And so they go, oh, they go, fine, I'll go to Brooklyn and I'll take I'll take Davy with me. But then Davy challenges, says, that's fine, but first you have to go to Pulitzer and tell him our demands. Which I kept really like we don't we, we ever never do find out what the demands of a newsies are. I'd assume it's just don't rake the prices. We don't know though, do we? It's just kept really generic. No. Like do you just want the life you had, or would you like to get things a little bit better? But we don't know. Probably just what they had. They don't know either. <laughs> um, and so they go try to go on up, but they're quickly kicked out of Pulitzer's office. 
and we cut to the restaurant where uh, Denton is like sort of feeding everybody, and uh, we find out that Denton works for the New York Sun. Now, my question is, if they've really been successful in getting all the other newsies across New York to stop selling papers, how is the New York Sun selling papers? They were allowed to sell that one. Just that one. Just that one. All the newsies are like, I mean, if you really want to win the war, get all the newsies to sell Denton's papers. That would yeah. make more sense. And then say... When you give us more money or when you give us our better deals, we'll come back to work for you. But until then, we're going to flood the market with that paper. So people want to get stuff. We're going to make sure we shut you down, but we get them more sales. And we're only going to report stories that are true. And then you get to keep Denton and that you get rid of that bit. And it just makes more sense. And we find out that Denton used to be with Teddy Roosevelt in Cuba. And this is important because earlier we've heard that Jack snuck out of like kid jail, uh, the refuge they called it, by riding on the bottom of Teddy Roosevelt's carriage, which no one's really sure if that's the true story or not. And then Jack says, no matter what, no pictures. And he makes it quite clear, get my name right, but no pictures. And so we go the next day and we're in Brooklyn and here comes Spot Conlon, who's did not seem nearly as formidable as I felt he was made out to be. I thought he was going to be like the, the wise talking sidekick to the boss. He's so teeny tiny. He is teeny tiny. And 50% of his lines had to include the word Brooklyn. <laughs> Welcome to Brooklyn. Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn now. Brooklyn comes to you. Brooklyn. He, he Brooklyn. looks like the kind of kid like... Like the, the the annoyings, or like you said, the sidekick of like the bully guy, like the ankle biter. He does not seem menacing or formidable at all. Not really. Even though they gave him like this like stick that I think you're supposed to imagine like he like you know <laughs> hits people with or something. I don't know. Don't forget his catapult. His catapult. Yes. So Spot Colin, they finally meet him, and uh, Jack says you have to listen to Davy. Well, is, is he all mouth? He's all mouth, but he's got a brain too. And this is where Davy proves to be somewhat intelligent. Uh, but I've got the Brooklyn feels really Irish. Mm. Like all the characters felt very, very Irish. Whereas in, I don't know what, bur- is it Manhattan? What borough are, are the newsies who we follow for the whole film? Where are they supposed to be? I don't think we're ever told, are we? Is it just, I mean, because downtown would be Manhattan, you would think. It seems so. But they had a very Jewish energy in that part. Jewish and Italian, Right. Whereas, I think the Bronx? Is the Bronx Bronx Brooklyn? I don't know, my New York. Anyway, but Brooklyn felt very, very Irish in in response. And so uh, Davy starts going, oh, you know, the great spot Colin, we got to have you involved. And he's going, yeah, 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 right. And then Colin says, well, show, don't tell me. I need to see you're committed. I'm not just going to commit just because you came down here and said so. And then we go back to, I'm going to say Manhattan. And the newsies who we're familiar with, they want to quit. They're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. And they're literally play fighting with swords. And I'm like, is this the metaphor for the film? We're not striking. We're playing at striking instead. And this is where we get the song Seize the Day, which I think is our third of our bam, 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 triple play here. Seize the Day. It's a great song, I thought. It's like Les Mis for kids, I wrote. Um, And then we the bell. It's good but it's low energy. Is it? Okay. I think singing-wise, I have seen... 
like performances of this in like a review and the problem is people will sometimes like especially if you have people who are like fans of newsies the film they'll like oversing it and put way too much energy into it and it's a real sweet spot you gotta hit because there's nothing worse than someone who goes 15 percent too heavy on seize the day um and i'm sitting here going this is gonna be bill pullman's easiest acting job ever because all the kids are dancing and like some intricate dance numbers here he's just sitting on a bench he's just watching it taking the odd note and then we get all the scabs and finally a big scab and we kept hearing the word soakum now what do you think soakum was supposed to mean because i never saw any water i just think soakum was the words they wanted to use whenever they were going to like beat someone up yeah, yeah I was assuming like, hose. I thought, like, soaking them might be, like, soak their papers so they can't sell them so yeah. they've lost their money. Like, that would make sense. But there's never any water. <laughs> or hose. or like, how would, you, how would you make that happen? <laughs> they use comedic, like, sort of rotten tomatoes as if it was, you know, a comedy sketch where someone sings very poorly. So we see, like, a couple of small boys, like, intimidated out of buying papers. But there was this big kid. He's like a good six foot five, six foot six, and he's like thirty five years old, and he's not going <laughs> to so put Netflix us down. 13. But they like smack the papers out of his hand, and they start this giant war. And all of a sudden, there's papers everywhere. Like, where are these papers showing up from? They tip over the a, like a wagon that has like papers in it, and I'm like, well, if they were there, what what incentive is there for you to actually go buy the papers? There isn't one, and we haven't talked about this yet. But I really, what was your thoughts on the character of Mr. Weisel, also known as Weasel? I liked him. He I had liked big, him. Uh, he had big Mr. Mushnik energy to him. Because I think for this to work, you need to see like some sort of corrupt figure, both like, like on the ground floor of this sort of uh, organization. Yeah. Besides Snyder, you need to see someone on, on like the, the, the newsies paper side of it. So I liked him. I thought he was all right. But papers, and when they cut to it, like, like they're literally like almost knee deep in papers by the end of it. And I'm just going, like, where has this come from? It's like when it snows in I Canada. mean, to be... <laughs> I suppose that would be a, a pretty intense snowfall. Georgia, what was that? And they've taken all of the papers apart, haven't they? So there's going to look like more than when they were still all together. So like all of the papers would have been several pages long. If you pull them apart, there's going to look like there's more paper. And as this is going on, we hear like the bells for the cops, which they call the bulls, over and over and over again. And they warn everybody. And Crutchy is just like maniacally like a supervillain laughing and tearing up <laughs> newspapers. He's like, ah! <laughs> like, crutchy, crutchy. Like, if I'm the guy who's called Crutchy because I don't move as fast as everybody else, there's no way I'm looking around and going, I'm the last one here. That's never going to happen to me. But they take him, kick his crutch away. This is the Clancy Boys, Delancey Boys, Delancey Boys. They kick his crutch away and they like, drag him off. And that's sad. And then we go to the refuge for the breakout. Um, and... They sort of jimmy up Jack, so he's hanging in front of this window. And I'll tell you this, Davey's got to have some serious upper body strength because he's, like, hosting, hoisting Christian Bale there for a long time. Yeah. And I was assuming they'd attached it to, like, a pillar or something on the top it's around of the like, Because there's no way he's doing that. But you'd still have to, like, get him back up after it was over. Yeah. Like it's, Les. Oh. <laughs> Just to see him fall out the other side of the window. Sweet! <laughs> Out, buy me last paint, mister. <laughs> <laughs> and, but to be fair, as he's hanging there, 
Um, Crutchy comes over and goes, hey, Jack, what are you hanging around here for? <laughs> I really like Crutchy. I did. Crutchy was on a different plane of existence. Oh, like, was. the entire film. He, he's kind of like, uh, he was like Larry in the wild. He just doesn't know what's going on. And it's kind of innocent, but which also one's so which annoying. One's, which one's Larry? Larry? was the snake. snake. Okay, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to remember I've already this. forgotten the character oh. name. <laughs> So Crutchy can't walk, and they admit they beat him up pretty badly, and he's not walking so great. And they said, we can carry you out of here. And he goes, never. You hear me? Never. And I guess this was like his plot arc, because that was, okay, we won't. Basically, they need a reason why they didn't break him out, but, like, why Crutchy's still in there, but, like, we don't, like, judge anybody for not coming to get him. And then Mr. Snyder, Warden Snyder, comes in. And they have to fake him out by, like, distracting him so they can get away. And I'm like, is that really a necessary fake out? Couldn't they have just, like, gone, here comes Snyder, and they just hoist him up? Because it just pads the runtime by 90 seconds and adds nothing to it. Except for that, I guess, um, Crutchy's trying to get close to Snyder by referring to a nap he had that day. So we cut to Pulitzer's office, and there's Mr. Snyder. And he goes, "Uh, can we break him up? Yeah, we can run by any means necessary. Actually, I don't think it's... I think it's Weasel who's there, actually. And it's by any means necessary. And Sykes is going, I don't agree with this. There's... You know, we don't have to be doing this. And we come back to Seize the Day again. So in case you went, what was that song we just heard last time? We're going to sing it again. And That song that we're going to put all over the merchandise so people buy it. I really liked it this time around. I did, because with their day off... They instead worked on choreographing a giant number, complete with like stomp kind of quality, like drum kits, because mm. it was like a super choreographed kind of dance. But then we have horses with wagons come out and new newsies, and Sokum is definitely a code for violence here. And then, like, it's a trap, and behind the fake newsies are like thugs with like chains and and like hammers. And I'm like, oh shoot. And Pullman tries to get the cops to fix it and says, look at this, look at this, you can't turn a blind eye to this. And the cops do turn a blind eye to this, which felt very 2020 in some capacity. And then we get a choreographed reveal of the kids from Brooklyn who have shown up. And rather than like all show up at once, they just pop their head up like one at a time. Mm -hmm. So we have this building, who is this? And in case you missed it. It's like meerkats just popping up out of there. And in case you missed who it is, thankfully Spot Collins there to say, Brooklyn. (laughs) That's what he does. No, I love this bit because I, I love in musicals in any film where you have several people showing up at once, but it's like timed specifically to the <laughs> score. It's 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 just like a nice little bit of, especially in Spider-Man, with the whole "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." It's New York, Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn it had that same energy. Oh, this kid says Brooklyn more than Jay Z does. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jay Z loves a Brooklyn name drop, um, and so. We get that, and yet they all have catapults, and they're all amazing shots. So what I would like to think is that if I really wanted, like, a flashback scene to how they spent their day off from selling newspapers, and the kids in Manhattan are, like, working on their choreographed dance moves and, like, strapping together drum kits, meanwhile the kids in Brooklyn are, like, practicing target shooting, like a skill they will actually need. When we first meet him, um, he he does fire his catapult. He does, but you don't get that everybody does it. But everybody there is really good. And like not one newsie gets hit. Like it's it's the most successful catapult fight ever. And then Jack Kelly, like Denton says, picture, picture. And Jack Kelly forgets the one rule that he made sure that we all knew earlier. (laughs) When he said no pictures. And then he's like, everybody, out of the way, out of the way of the picture. We're getting a picture taken. And I'm like, 
you told us you had one rule. <laughs> How do you forget this? <laughs> oh, just by the way, the like bushcraft teacher and me needs to correct you. They're not catapults. They're slingshots. It's two different things. Fair enough. Uh, and then, so back at the cafe, we see the paper. Now, is this the next day, or is this later that day? Is the sun, like, ironically, a late afternoon paper? <laughs> that would be brilliant. Because <laughs> you would think the sun would be an early morning paper, because that's when the sun rises. <laughs> um, it's actually time to the sunset. Maybe. And so they take a look, and he goes, oh, I look pretty good. I look... At this point, he's still not gone. Oh, remember when I told you no pictures? He doesn't see the issue. So I'm like, this is an issue I have. How is Jack this stupid? He's got. He does say he's not smart later on. <laughs> um, and this is when we start our song, King of New York. Ethan, you said you like King of New York. I really like it. It's it, after like all of the emotional turmoil and discourse that I'd been through for like the previous thirty-five minutes. I was like, it's just a nice little happy song of like them. It, it's it's the oh, I can't wait for the future. Like the, the happy, dreamy song. That will then destroy you later on uh, when everything gets depressing again. This is where every kid gets their one sung line by themselves in the show. Yeah. <laughs> including yeah. including Pullman. Look at me, I'm the king of New York. Uh, written as an afterthought, but Menken would later say it was his favorite song of the show. I'm as smart as Menken. So you're... Nice. You're uh, you're in you're in good company here. I don't even remember it. But is it the one that won the Razzie? We'll reveal that at the end of the end of the podcast. Um, and so um, our man Denton, nice little cold there. And then, uh, I mean, whoever owns the Sun, I've got is the nicest guy in New York because he's the only guy who owns a paper and is reporting on the Newsy strike. Now, how that news is getting to anybody without newsies, I have no idea. So this is the problem in their plan. We'll cut off newspaper distribution, but oh, look, I'm, I'm in the papers. Well, that's great if anybody gets to read it. Yeah, I did think I was watching this going, is something going to like explain this? Have I missed something? Yeah. Or is it just a gigantic just, plot hole? And it just was a gigantic plot hole. Because we're told all the news have to be on strike, but then we're sort of, for the most part, then left to think it's really just Pulitzer. He's the singular most powerful man in New York, we're told. And it's like, no, everybody is. Uh, and we get a big toast to our man, Denton. And then back at the refuge, Crutchy is giving some food to Snyder and goes, oh, look, it's Jack. And then, like, is the worst cover-up ever. Because it's like, oh no, I had him confused. Oh, this old brain of mine doesn't work quite right sometimes. Oh, and then in case you're like, bye, Mr. Snyder. It's like, never play poker, kid. Never, ever, this ever play poker. This is why I think Crutchy's on a different plane of existence. <laughs> he just does not understand, like, anything going on. No. And then we go back to the refuge. Sorry, from the refuge, we go back to the boarding house. And to be fair, the old guy who wakes them all up in the morning on the first day covers for Jack and says, don't know any Jack. But Jack here decides this is a good chance for me to like run behind him and like make faces while yeah. he does all sorts of things. Um, and then, to be fair, though, I appreciate this about Snyder because one of the kids, I think it's um, Racetrack, whatever his name is, um, gives... Uh, says, support the Newsy strike. And to his credit, Snyder, in that super jerk way, does give them a dime for yeah. their strike fund. Because the boys, as we've said, are going to st stage a rally that's going to like draw attention to all the Newsies. Uh, 
we cut to the next day and sister Sarah wakes up to see Jack sleeping on the fire escape. And I'm like, is this a bit like a creepy Romeo and Juliet thing? Because she's in a like yep. on a balcony and he's outside. I was thinking that. Because he kind of goes, I didn't want to disturb you, which kind of meant, like, you mean the family? Or do you mean you were watching her sleep? Because I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both. And she doesn't seem bothered by it at all. She seems to find it cute that he's been sleeping on the fire escape. To be fair, it's like Twilight. To be fair, she, she like imprints on him immediately when he comes in that because she's been sweet on him since the moment he came into that house. Yeah. Yep. And then we sort of morph to the roof where they're hanging out, and Jack kind of goes, "Was nothing here for me." And keep in mind, like, at this point, Sarah's been away for like fifty minutes of the film. We haven't even thought about her since that first dinner. I forgot she existed. Exactly. And so, but he goes. I thought there was anything here for me to stay for. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? Does it matter? To, does it matter to anybody if I stay or go? Does it matter to you? And I'm like, dude, like, if I, I know they waited 50 minutes for this conversation, but you are really rushing this. <laughs> um, just, just ask her out already. Just ask her directly. Yes. And then we have a meeting with the mayor and Mr. Pulitzer and Snyder. And they've come across, well, we can break up the Newsies rally because there's someone who's evading, there's, 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 a, there's a criminal on the basis of, well, well, he says so. And generally it's come across with, well, if you come to my poker game tonight, we will all pay you off. And he goes, all right. And this is where we have, uh, we're at the rally and Anne Margaret begins the song, High Times, Hard Times. Which I thought was a fun little kind of review. I don't want to say burlesque. How would you describe this kind of a song? Uh, vaudeville? Uh, vaudeville? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. A, kind of a vaudeville number. Um, and uh, Sarah, in this thing, is wearing a dress that was actually from like 1899, 1900. And it, the material had gone so fine as a result of its age that it kept getting like little holes in it. They had to sew between takes which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and so I wore, wore a dress in a show that was from the 50s, and this is only a couple of years ago, and that kept breaking. So I can only imagine what a dress from 100 years ago yeah. would do. And then Snyder shows up, and Denton, to his credit, tries to run interference with, with, with a flashbulb. And this is where Jack gets on my nerves again, because he sees she's there, but then he's got to kiss Meta on the way out, even though he knows they're there to get him. And... Now, all of a sudden, like, all the kids start, like, physically striking the officers, including Davy. Davy kicks Snyder right in the face on this, mm-hmm. like, makeshift swing thing. And apparently that's not an offense. And I'm going, where, you know who we haven't seen yet? Where are the trolley workers? <laughs> like, they, they ended their strike when another one started. Like, it's fine. You want to talk about someone who maybe, like, you could go ahead and join some muscle or something? Or maybe the trolley workers want to sell some newspapers? <laughs> so then we get to the trial and Denton uh, the, all the all the newsies are uh, given what was it five cents or no, it's five dollars yeah five dollars or is it two months in jail or two weeks in jail or something like that two two weeks two weeks yeah. and of course they don't have the money but Denton says he'll pay all the fines uh, and we find out that Denton has a uh, Jack's not so lucky Jack gets sentenced to prison until he's 21 because the system's, again, kind of fitting, the system's rigged against um, against Jack. And even the person who's supposed to be speaking on his behalf is actually, like, 
not represented him at all. And it's just totally rigged. And we find out that Denton's been reassigned. And uh, he's got to give up because he's going to go be a war correspondent. Because if he doesn't follow, he'll be blackballed from every paper in town. And Davey kind of gets up and goes, from now on in, we can only trust the newsies. And I'm going, is this fair? He just yeah. spr- he just sprung literally all of you out of jail. He's a kid, though. I did think, but he's supposed to be the smart kid. Hmm. Yeah, but they didn't figure out that no one's going to read their newspaper if they stop selling newspapers. So you know, I think it was because also at the same time, Denton even said, "Oh yeah, you know that thing that I wrote? It didn't get printed." I think he also was very bitter about that as well. Yeah, and he goes here. Uh, here's my, my story, and of course Davey reads it for two seconds and crumples it up, and then just leaves it on the table so that Les can put his hot dog wrapped in it for later on. <laughs> and this is the only kid who doesn't coat his... Freaking kid, I coat my hot dogs in mustard and ketchup. and Like, you wouldn't be able to read that thing the next day, let alone the grease a New York hot dog <laughs> has on it. Um, and so then we go... Um, they go to break Jack out of prison... But Jack's not in the prison anymore. Jack's being taken to Pulitzer's house. David goes and follows and takes a screw out of the carriage. Why? Because we'll find out later. Inside the house, we find out Pulitzer says, <laughs> I want to buy you off. I can, I can get you free. I am that powerful. And he goes, nope, there's no way. And Jack can't be bought. Until he brings up David and David's family and the family of the Newsies. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Jack starts to sort of waver a little bit. Um, inside the house. Oh, I said that already. Uh, and then we have the world's shortest breakout because he walks outside, and um, Davey goes, "Jack, Jack, run!" And so Jack doesn't know how to think, I guess, in the short term, and just does. He runs, and then he gets about the corner. And he goes, "Oh, hang on." Now, in the meantime, of course, the the carriage is now free of the or the horses are free of the the carriage, so it doesn't do any good to follow them. Um. And they get him around the corner, and then Jack decides, no, 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 I gotta go back to jail. And it really kind of ticks off Dave. He says, no, no, I gotta go to jail. It just is. Just go home. You don't get it. Go home. There's no one waiting for me. Basically, he starts reciting the, the, the lyrics to Santa Fe. Go home. And then he starts singing Santa Fe again. And he's in the refuge, and he tells Crutchy, we were beat when we were born. And then we're back to the strike again. And we get that great thing. Tell me I'm seeing things. And the things are, it's Jack, and Jack's wearing a nice suit. And we got a confrontation. And this is part of what makes a good... In wrestling, we would call this a heel turn, when your hero turns bad. And what makes a great heel turn is when you can understand the motivations of the character who does them. And why does Jack do this? Because for the first time in his life, he's got money in his pocket. He has a future lined up for him. Why wouldn't you do what Jack does? Being a newspaper, being a newsie, what did it get me? It got me a little, hard enough money to get by and a few black eyes. I've actually got a path for myself here. And I'm going, although you might not agree with the decision he's made, you can understand the motivation and why he did it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and as, also sort of the the, un, the the underlying secret reason behind it as well. Yeah, I mean, there's the the public reason, which is all these things I've said, and then there's the real reason I gotta protect my friends. And so, um, they they ask Davy, "Hey, kid, maybe you'd like to go ahead and work for Mister Pulitzer?" And he goes, "Never." And then Les is going, "He's fooling him. He's he's spying on him on the inside. He's fooling him." 
And then we look at Jack's new digs. And I'm sorry, was anybody else really surprised? Like, Pulitzer was like, give him a nice suit. And then put him up in the crappiest part of this building you can find. Now, I know mm-hmm. it, would have, it would have plot significance later, but I'm still going, why would you put him here? Just to remind him that he's actually worthless. And Weasel yeah, keeps reminding us. I was going to say, put him in his place. Weasel keeps reminding us, one wrong step and you're back. And this is what Weasel's always wanted, the chance to have something over Jack. Because Jack's always tormented him. And so the next morning, he goes back with his suit on to get more papes. And there's a joke that they're going to assault Davy. And if. Classic singer. And if you don't. Hey, and if you cause any problems, we'll send you back to the refuge. And I'm going, is Weasel overplaying his hand here? Because Pulitzer does not want um, Jack back at the refuge, does he? No. Yeah. Pulitzer wants Jack uh, working for him. He wants him in that suit every day. Because then he becomes a martyr. So I'm going, Weasel's not really thinking this through. He had a little bit of leverage and he doesn't know. He's overplaying his hand big time. And then it gets really bloody dark with Sarah. Because the Delancey oh, boys. I was genuinely worried. Like grab her and like take her into an alley. And are like, we got the best member of the family now anyway. And I'm like, what the heck? And so then we have a series of boys try and rescue her. First is Les with his little wooden sword. Which he, rem- which he remembered he has. I love Les. Then we had uh, Davy, who who tries, and then thankfully, finally, we have Jack. And keep in mind, Jack has turned his back on his belief system to protect his friends, and specifically Davy's family. And now he sees that because of his compliance, Davy's family is left vulnerable. And so he makes the decision. And again, this makes sense. I'm okay with his flip flop because it's consistent with his character. And so he mm-hmm. makes the decision to, to to bail on it. And we get a great little moment where he goes to Davy afterwards. He goes, well, I guess there goes that. He goes, yeah, I decided I can't be something I ain't. And Davy goes, a scab? And he goes, smart. <laughs> Which I thought was nice. And then we go back to Denton. And they've, they've, cause they, they've unraveled the, uh, the article. They've seen what it says. And it's about child labor and what New York is like if you get rid of child labor. And the problems for that. And they decide, we need to print our own paper. And wouldn't you believe that Pulitzer has put Jack in a basement with a printing press? Now, am I mistaken that we are not shown this information until Jack tells us now? I don't think so. I don't think there was any bit where he's like like, looking around and you see it. Yeah, there's like some stuff that's covered up with like hessian like blankets and stuff. But there's no indication that it might be a printing press. Ellie, did you see anything? There is one bit where... When he first goes down there, um, Weisel kind of pulls a sheet that's really dusty off something. And I wonder whether maybe that was pulled off the printing press. It's not something that I noticed oh, would have at been. the time, but, but I was that just wondering makes sense. Perhaps. If it had been seen, I guess maybe it'd be worth on another look to take a look and see. I, I didn't see anything, but also it's really dark in that first scene too. Yeah. Mm. Like, because that, that place looks so much smaller when you first see it. Then later on, you're like, this thing is like, like, like a whole basement printing workshop. And it looks like a small little room, <laughs> like, like, the, like a cell when he gets put in the it. The basement penthouse. I was, yeah, because I was looking at it when he first gets put in. I'm going, there's not much difference between this, this and the refuge. They look very similar. Brick walls, mm. damp, you know, that, that kind of a thing. Um, so then we have our song. Uh, oh, where is it? I had it. I had it. Once and for all. Once and for all, which is basically just a glorified printing and distribution montage. <laughs> 
and it's like one it's like one side of one sheet like as someone who teaches media studies like 50 percent of this front page is just giant headlines and it's about how the newsies (laughs) are like striking and how the refuge is corrupt and there's like so little text that follows it like this felt like it was like the daily mail or the sun well there wasn't an image so it wouldn't be the sun but it was like daily mail like you know like giant text and maybe some copy if you're lucky somewhere on the front page nothing on the back page we got sure to see that and so we then cut to teddy roosevelt and denton is there telling him all about what's going on and we start off with they've called all the people who work in child labor around New York City to join them for another rally, this time not in a theater, but in a public place. Wouldn't that have been a good idea for the first one? Hmm. Not you to have some... So, good plot. Because you also could have run away a lot, a lot easier if you weren't in that stinking theater. But then you couldn't shoehorn in Madda Larkson for, Madda Larkson for her singing cabaret show, could you? Because when you actually... Had, originally when this was uh, released on VHS, the two top names on the video cassette were Robert Duvall and Anne Margaret. Christian Bale's name appears like, if you're lucky, if you'd see it third, if not on the back cover. Like, so, it was the, so the idea was Anne Margaret was star power. We need to feature her. Um, it does, in the credits, it was with or and as, like, her as Meadow. Like, she had her own little credit bit. She gets that little extra bit that you do, yeah. like, like Anne Samuel L. Jackson as, yeah, as Nick yeah. Fury. Yeah. Um, like the Avengers Endgame credits. Yeah, where like everybody gets an and, 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 with, <laughs> and, with, and. And Samuel Jackson clearly has it in his contract, I am the last and every time. Um, <laughs> and so, it's like, no one else is coming. No one's coming. And this is when we get the world will know, and it starts off with less. You know, when, when that distribution bell starts ringing, will we hear it? And he goes, no. <laughs> Uh, and then enter the masses, and the number of kids involved in this sort of finale bit, like, it's massive. And this is no CGI. This is, like, hundreds and hundreds of kids on this set. And that bit where, the, like, they start off with the kids on the bicycles, the bicycle careers, and then the washing girls behind that. Like, I will admit, I got chills when they come around the corner of all that noise. Movie got Especially me. Especially the sign that says girls want rights too. And I was like, yes, they do. <laughs> yes, yes, film, you have made up for your lack of female characters with one token moment. <laughs> Maybe no, girl, girls want screen it. time too. Um, and then Spot Condon shows up and God bless him. He comes like, hey, like, like, it would be a big surprise if Scott, Spot Condon's come back. But he comes up and we have a, we have a close up on him. He just goes, Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced he just forgot half his lives, just went with Brooklyn. Um, I think I do that during any show I do from now on. I'll just say Brooklyn if I can't think of the line. And so Brooklyn, we we have a summit, and we've got Davy, Jack, and is Denton with them, or is it just Davy and Jack? It might just be Davy and Jack. And they go upstairs. Yeah, Denton's not with them. And they go upstairs to talk with Pulitzer. Now they get an audience. And Davy has fully transformed. At the start, he's very much in a suit, almost similar to what Jack ends up being when he sort of turns heel for a bit. But now he's wearing this dirty, off-white colored shirt. was a little bit more form-fitting. His face is dirty. And his transformation is complete now. He's a full out-and-out newsie. And so he does most... And unlike before, he does most of the talking now. Or at least he talks on an equal level. 
and he's a leader and he steps up and he says, I don't understand the situation, Mr. Pulitzer. You're losing thousands of dollars a day over a tenth of a cent. Why do you do this? And we hear it's, it's about power, not about money. And like Mr. Pulitzer goes like, go home, children, go home. And he opens the door and he yells at them. And he really had a thing about being heard. You listen to me. No, you listen to me. No, you listen to me. He had a thing about noise. I don't know what he was doing. It had to be a Robert Duvall choice because you wouldn't write this. It makes no sense. And then he puts it, his hands over his ears like, like he, he's like got he like yeah, like he can't he, like, like he's partially deaf or something, and like, it's hurting his ears. Well, he I'm got, going, he, what? He, goes, he like, makes what? him seem like a like a toddler who like wouldn't be in a position of power in real life. He goes like, "I will send you back to jail," and and Jack goes, "No, you won't send me back to jail." Opens up the doors and like there's the sheer mass of people in the about the fact that Jack's going back to jail. I don't understand that, but I guess the idea that you can't I don't know. Because as we've been told by Denton, if it doesn't appear in the paper, it doesn't exist. But then <laughs> then Syke shows up with this piddly A4 sheet of, like, new, they call it a newspaper, and goes, these kids put out a pretty good paper there, Chief. And I'm like, <laughs> no, they didn't. You were professional newsmen. <laughs> well, front page with, uh, like, again, like the, the quality of the headline. Like, get your magnifying glass and read that word for word. It's just another one of those sort of, like, newsies, you know, won't be denied rights or something like that. There's nothing that great about it. I think the point is that they finally got their word out there and managed to spark a proper protest. So um, we cut outside. Oh, he wants to know, whose press did you get anyway? Whose press was it? And we find out it was your press. Thanks again. Only the best. And they go outside and he picks up, Jack picks up Les and puts him on his shoulders after whispering to him and he goes, and I thought he was going to let the kid do it, but he does let the kid do it. He puts him on his shoulders and he goes, we did it. And he goes, yay. Now, here's the question. What did they do? What does, <laughs> what does it mean? Okay. <laughs> what have we, no, no, that's just anything like that. But what have you accomplished? Because we're nice and generic. And like, like the bicycle couriers and the, and, and like the, 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 the washing girls and all the, like, why are they cheering? Like, how has your life gotten better for this? All we know is the newspaper boys are getting a better gig. You kind of go, well, maybe it's because they know that if a protest has worked for one group, then they'll all come together and help each other for another protest. But, like, what? I kind of want to see... Eh? I kind of want the next day to see the awkward conversation afterwards where, like, all the women have thought that by we did it is in we've done it for everyone. It's like, oh, no, we only just got our newspaper, like, to be a bit cheaper. (laughs) We we didn't do anything for you guys. Nothing for you. Are you going to come help? I got got papers to sell, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) When you put something in the papers, oh, no, 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 I just distribute it. I ain't got nothing to do with it. I just need some money. Come on, Spot, help us out. Brooklyn! Uh, and then we go back to a final up. Oh, um, so the bulls come by again with the cops and we see Snyder in the front seat, which is so stupid. <laughs> Snyder's in the front seat. And so Jack starts running away. Now, Jack, who earlier saw Snyder in a closed space and had to go kiss Meta Larkson before he runs away. This time he's like <laughs> running. But Bill Pullman's grabbed him and going, it's OK. You don't, have to be, you don't have to run from him anymore. Not anymore. And, like rather than ask, what do you mean? He just goes, all right, and goes for a walk with him. <laughs> I'd be asking a question if I thought I was going back to jail for four years. Yeah, but he's not very clever, remember? He is not very smart. And then so they get up, and then they open up the back of the paddy wagon, and out come all the kids, and last of all, being crutchy. And this is where the guy who was in the front, 
now has to be publicly taken from everybody and put in the back. And it is cool when Crutchy asks if he can do, have, have the honors. And so before he does, he says, first thing you want to do is you want to make friends with the rats, slams the door, <laughs> and it's a nice moment for Crutchy. And I do enjoy that. And then uh, we go back to the song, carrying the banner, but not before um, we find out that Jack gets to ride with Roosevelt to the station. To wherever he wherever wants. Wherever he wants to go. And he says, can you drop me at the train yard? So everybody gets really, really sad. And he goes off. But he's done right. He's got, I assume he's still got the money in his pocket from Roosevelt from the day before, I guess. Not Roosevelt, uh, Pulitzer from the day before. I, well, I didn't realize Pulitzer gave him the money. I thought he was like, I just need to do this for a little bit and then I get the money. He said, I've got money in my pocket. Real money. Oh, yeah. So I guess he was talking like literally and not metaphorically. Oh, I assumed he meant metaphorically. but No, I, I thought he meant real because he's like, I have it. Not I will. I have money in my pocket. He patted his pocket at the same time, yeah. didn't he? So, yeah, my little ching ching. So <laughs> we say our goodbyes. We get the carry in the banner. And this time the leader of the group is Davy. And Davy has stepped up, and he's not ashamed. He's first in the line. He is Jack. And he goes up, and he says, a hundred papes. Now, I'd like to remind everybody, he was a paper boy for about half a day before the strike <laughs> began. Like, you being a leader of a strike movement does not mean you have the skills to move a hundred papers in a day. <laughs> he's learned from the best. Well, he learned how to, do, how to be a strike leader. Did he learn how to sell a newspaper? Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, the we, we had that yada yada over. The most, the, <laughs> the most successful thing I saw him doing in distributing a paper was giving it away for free. No, you just, you just <laughs> have to do a Karen from Mean Girls and go, eh, eh, I'm <laughs> sick. And then they don't go boot you whore. They go, oh, sure, I'll take your paper. So as he's doing that, in comes Roosevelt, drops him back off. So Davey got to be the leader for two seconds and Teddy got to save himself a trip to the train yards. Uh, and this is, what's the headline like? And this is, uh, is asked by Jack to Davy and Davy gets to go headlines don't sell papes Newsy sells papes and they spit on each other's hands because Davy was repulsed by this earlier and shake hands but Davy's still not very good at the spit I don't know if anybody noticed this like every other character like whops like a huge loogie and then goes ahead and does it his spit it felt like a kid who was doing this for the first time ever and uh, off he went and then there's a kiss between Jack and Sarah that is not just a kiss that is of like a full-on enthusiastic make-out session right okay. in the middle of it all. Well, she's, she's just come back for her. And this is why she needs to exist. She needs to exist because he needs someone to come back for. Just being a newsie would not be a good enough reason to come back. What about... Just before here, his... that's where I thought her song should be. Oh, you're kidding. Like, drag this out? No, well, oh, too long. No, when, 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 when Jack goes away... That's the, that's the record for the thinking, most wins in a get, row. Give her, give her the Santa Fe reprise instead of Jack. Give her what? Sorry, uh, Jack. Instead of Jack doing his Santa Fe reprise when he's um, in like sort of his little clink. Oh. I think I think if you give Sarah the Santa Fe reprise, it's sort of more of a longing for everyone wanting Jack to come back. So does she sing Santa Fe? Or does she just get a different song in that place? I. Either she can get a different song or just the Santa Fe reprise. I, th- I think it would have more of an emotional sort of hit if she sings that same the same thing that Jack had wanted. Yeah. I think we needed Santa Fe to drive home the idea about why he's making this decision. He gets to save everybody else, and then he gets to go to Santa Fe. And even if he's the villain, he doesn't have to live with it, because he'll be gone in a couple of months. True. Uh... 
See, I think they could have just built up the kind of the storyline with Jack and then Davy's family and kind of made it seem like he finally had a home and some people that cared about him and that that would have been sufficient to keep him there rather than throwing in this unnecessary love, love interest that didn't really have time to blossom. If I would counter, I, was cute. I would counter Ethan that mm-hmm. if there's a place for a song, I think it's before they try and rape her. When she's carrying the laundry down Delancey's or whatever, whatever it is, and you can have her song about how she misses him. It doesn't be super long, but you can give her something as she's walking there, and then that's interrupted by the Delancey voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could work. I think that's, that's the it, organic yeah. place for it. Um, I still think I'm forcing to get one in. Yep. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, in real life, uh, the Pulitzer, Joseph Pulitzer went as far as even to host weekend events in vaudeville houses or would have like kids nights at the movies, kind of the equivalent would be like a kids night at the movie for his newsboys to try and keep them um, happy. And just in closing on that, uh, if you take a look, one of the bit background actors got a little bit bored during the shoot of Newsies and produced a 25 minute horror film in character uh, backs, behind, backstage on the set of Newsies. It is called, and I have watched this today, Blood Drips Heavily on Newsies Square, where one of the kids pretends he's old-timey actor Don Knotts, and Don Knotts has been refused a part by uh, the director, uh, what was his name again? Kenny Ortega. And uh, basically he gets all these behind-the-scenes moments, and like the kid, like, there's a little bit of Christian Bale in it, there's a little bit of, uh, one of the victims is uh, the kid who's always, r- Racetrack, whatever his name is, is one of the victims, and he kind of goes through and kills them all. It's a bit of a hard watch at times, because it's just, if you gave a teenage boy a video camera in 1992, without the <laughs> idea of it, that you know YouTube would ever exist. So there's some bits where you're just like, okay. Uh, but See, when I got bored during this film, I just drew a lightsaber. He made a horror film. Yes. Uh, just, but it is interesting. Than you you can watch all three parts, all three acts, if you will, which is very kind, uh, of Blood Drips Heavily on Newsy Square. So, um, just a few things. Number one, do you think Denton's still unemployed? I thought he went back to Cuba, didn't he? Well, he was supposed to go back to Cuba, but I think he doesn't he turn that down in the end in order to run that story because he was told not to? Oh, possibly. Well, if he not, he probably went story, to. He? he probably went back to Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Roosevelt's a political figure. Like Roosevelt, he, he, he's a newspaper writer. I uh, mean, he could write his speeches or something. Yeah, be like a I guess there's no way we, for him. I guess there's no way you could explicitly link this to to him. I guess he's just lending his skills as a consultant more than anything else. Yeah. I want the eight minute explanation song at the end, where it's just Roosevelt and um, Denton just having like a. A long, a long-winded operatic explanation. Yeah, that's how you cap this musical off. Whose story is this? Is it Jack's or is it Davies? I, I think, I think, I think it's a split. I think first act, it's definitely Jack's, and then the second act, it definitely it focuses more on sort of I think Davies' transition to being a stronger person. He just doesn't get the payoff, though, does he? He gets 30 seconds where he gets to be the leader at the end where he wants his 100 papes, and then that's it. I'm going to argue it's Davy's story. Because we open on Davy's first day. 
Yeah. And we have the whole story of him not being able to be, he's got all the ideas, but can't express them. And he depends on Jack to be his mouthpiece. But throughout the film, he finds that resolve and drive to be the voice himself, gets over that. Really, he is the reason why this whole thing happens. And then at the end, he is accepted by the people. He is sort of crowned their de facto leader and then finishes with his best friend around. I mean, I'm not saying it's solely his story, but he's got a full arc without question. And it clearly begins with his beginning. Yeah, I think it would be a better story full out if they focused more on that then. That would I be, like that more. That would be interesting framing if we frame the story 100% from the start of him and then yeah. uh, Cowboy's kind of the supporting character a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to give this a hell of a hot take. It is the se- it's the same sort of character arc as Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean. Because everyone remembers, you know, oh. Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow. They remember Christian Bale, Jack Kelly. But it's it's all about the sort of underappreciated sort of quiet mousy boy at the beginning will turner or davy who then becomes his own at the end oh is that hard of a take i think you got a good decent argument there i think i, think, I don't I think. know i don't know who elizabeth swan is but <laughs> <laughs> not everything has to be a perfect parallel <laughs> ah. but okay uh let's go around the table usual let's go uh ellie georgia ethan um favorite character or favorite performance you can interpret this however you want les he's cute les is more <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really, I did genuinely really like Les's performance. Okay, how many lines does job. how many lines does the kid get in the film? No, not many, but he, he gets to do little reaction bits all the time, and he's actually crying when Jack leaves, and it's just really sweet. Yeah. But if you're not going to accept that because you're a Scrooge, <laughs> then I really like Davy. I thought he was really good. Yeah. I... I didn't like the way he was, I mean, he was really inconsistently written in that opening strike number scene where you're like, are you in favor of it or not? Because you keep flip-flopping on this. You can be conflicted without being like, tell him this, but I don't want to join you. But tell him this, I think it's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, Ethan. I, I, I enjoyed Spot just because my favorite thing in New York movies is always, it's the city in New York. You messed with all of, one of us. You messed with all of us. I'm walking. He's like the perfect sort of embodiment of that. And I love it. And it, it was just always entertaining to see him say his, his one catchphrase, you know, Brooklyn. Yes. It's Brooklyn, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give an honorable mention to Weasel. I liked Weasel. Weasel, Weasel. We didn't talk much about Snyder. I thought for what his role needed to be, I thought he was good. I thought the actor who played him was a good figure of menace. He's popped up a lot. Uh, he gets like uh, roles as bad guys, as sort of one-dimensional villain types. And he does it very well. He was on Lost a bunch of times. I'm like, how do I know this guy? And I finally looked him up, and I'm like, oh, he's one of the characters dad's on Lost. Got it. Uh, but mine, I'm going to go with Ethan. I like Spot. See Spot, see Spot run. See Spot, say Brooklyn. Um, it's like he said, what's my motivation? Brooklyn. And we haven't mentioned how great was that shot of them on Brooklyn Bridge before they go over. Oh, yeah. I wonder how they did that. They must have, they they must have only one actual, I don't know how they stripped it down for like an hour. Like, how do you do Brooklyn without the Brooklyn? I I want to know how they did that shot. Mm. Can you shut down Brooklyn for an hour, like that bridge for an hour? I don't think you can. So how did you do it? I think it has to be like a mix of like matte paintings and some practical stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Um, 
favorite? Oh, let's do this one. What song do you think won the Razzie? Um, is it really a win if it's a Razzie? Is it not a loss? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, but this is the irony, right? He wins a Razzie and then wins an Oscar the next night. I'm the King of New York. I'm the King of New York. Georgia, uh, any guesses? Um, I'm the King of New York. Look right now. I'm Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Are you there? Ethan? I Santa think, because I don't want it to be King of New York, I think it's Meta's song. It is Meta's song. Very good. Because I forgot it exists until you brought it up. I didn't say I that actually, I went in knowing it, and I'm listening to it going, I don't really, like, I don't mind it, and there's not enough of it to really get too upset with it. I don't know how, I just think they really hated, I think they really hated Anne Margaret. Doesn't she have two songs? She has some sort of coochie coo little, like, mini number when they first meet her. So this is the one. But this is the one when, when they're, they're having the rally. Yeah, okay. Mm. So, and there's a little bit of a call and answer in that bit. And, like, everybody sings it. Like, Jack sings it and Sarah sings it. But, yeah, that's the one that... So, that's the worst song. But what was your favorite song of the bunch? I think Santa Fe. Santa Fe? Mm. I want to ride on the shoulders of my stunt supervisor. No, it wasn't. I had a different one, but I can't remember what it's called. One second. I can't really remember them. I'm not familiar enough with the music. Um... King of New York was the one that was stuck in my head, but that's because it's the credit song. Uh, the big ones, I would say, just really quickly, mm. you've got uh, Carrie and the Banner, you've got The World Will Know, bum, bum, Oh, that one, ba- that one, I like oh, yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, the one that I really like, well, maybe not my favourite song, but my favourite number was the when they did the Seize the Day one, the second, I think you said it came up twice. Yeah. When they've got like the nice little choral start to it. And then they go um, the And Then there's a massive dance break, yeah. and I really enjoyed that. Ethan, you're King of New York, I'm assuming. Uh, I was torn between King of New York or World Will Know. World Will Know, the World Will Know, got like a much bigger emotional response from me, and I know it's because of everything that's going on. But it was, it was sort of one of those things that you watch it and you see everyone get together, and I don't know, it just gives you hope. I yeah. guess it, it, it like fulfilled me with an emotion I haven't felt in a long, long time, and it was just sort of like. It it was it those big numbers are always great. It's the same with you know, uh, hear the people sing and and all those. But it was just it, it it's it's a good it's a good uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the word has gone. Okay. <laughs> it, it, the world will it know, makes but me Ethan want to doesn't. punch something. I guess. Okay. Let's go with that. It, it it boosts me. Motivational. That was it. Was that really the word? Okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hear, I mean, you, you can do either of those three, Santa Fe, World Will Know, or, um, Seize the Day. And I'm going to go with Seize the Day. Um, I think because, because there's so many places you can go with it and they do go with it. And, uh, you know, at times it's like Irish fiddle music. At times it's choral. At times it's dance breaky. Uh, I think the Backstreet Boys did a cover of it. That's not true. They didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but I think it is, I think it is versatile. And as a result, that gets my... That gets my vote, so to speak. And I've actually now lost the sheet I was on. So, words. What are these words out of my mouth? Um, my Little Grumble. Just um, how inconsistent the plot is with the fact that they want to get their news out about being on strike, but they can't because they're striking from putting out the news. There are some plot holes you could have a truck through in this film. Mm-hmm. Probably a truck selling papers for the sun because that's how they got it out. <laughs> 
maybe that's the reason for it, but I think this film sort of struggled to keep hold my attention. I I didn't Fine. find it that interesting. There wasn't there wasn't an awful lot that really kind of grabbed me, and it didn't. Well, it didn't make me feel all like super motivated and hopeful like it did with you. And I didn't want to punch anything. As opposed to last time where I wanted to punch Ryan. <laughs> Ryan the lion. Ryan the lion. That sounds really aggressive out of context because Ryan just sounds like it's like some random kid. Yeah, pretty much was. <laughs> Ethan. Um, I don't like it. The, some of the songs just have no, like a, a real lack of energy. Seize the Day was the one that I really felt, especially in the singing. Um, Christian Bale just doesn't work as a leading man for, for like, singing. Yeah. And I think the best way I was able to describe it was, like, yeah, I feel like when I, like I'm watching a high school production and they've gone all the boys to do it, and they're doing it because they want to impress the girls, but they don't have enough, like, energy or care to properly put effort in, and it's just they're going through the numbers. Yep. Uh... Mine, I guess, is just, I think it's more of the inconsistencies that George is kind of on about, but it's just bits where it's like the script could have been better and it could have been stronger. And some of them because it's inaccurate and some of them because it's just poorly written. And uh, like, for instance, the idea that Jack says, no pictures, no pictures, and then stands for a picture and brags about how good he looks in the picture. Like in the next scene, I'm going, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with the fact that, okay, do you, is Hearst going to undercut you and defy you? Or is he going to do everything you tell him to do? Which it can't be both. And you want it and you tell me it has to be both for this film to make sense. Mm. Or, you know, just Robert Duvall's like weird choices with like a magnifier. It was just, it just felt like we kind of went and Margaret, Robert Duvall, do whatever you want. And then here's what we've written for everybody else. And it didn't make sense. Let's have a conversation about how we're going to make more money. Like, it just felt like it's like, you know, entry-level bad guy movie meeting 101. <laughs> I mean, they just weren't very good villains. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's, what was his big it, move? His big move was he was the old man yelling, get off my lawn, wasn't he? It's it's very much <laughs> Mr. Miss, miss businessman with his, with his big handlebar mustache. He was missing a twirly going, mustache. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's right. If, if I bully the children, I get more of the money. At least, that, oh, oh, oh. at least you would have seen him be happy. Like, Duvall just looked kind of constipated the whole film. I want Duvall <laughs> Scrooge McDucking through, like, all of the extra coins he, he, he got from stealing from kids. And I really rate Robert Duvall as an actor. Like, I don't, I can't, I don't know why I'm Margaret from anything else. But Robert Duvall, I've seen a lot of things. And I think Robert Duvall is always great, except for this. <laughs> I'm like, were you on set for three days? Is that what they is that what they did with you? You were so busy. I'll give you three days and you filmed this. I don't get it. Was there anything? In a song. Was there anything that we? I mean, we didn't say best bit. I mean, is there anything that anybody wants to just put? Is there anything that, without forcing? Does anybody have something that they want to sort of contribute as the best bit? Yeah, the dancing. Okay, it's sensational. You can tell it's a choreographer who directed this. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that like most of the dance numbers, I suppose you get the exceptions where it's just Christian Bale dancing in the street, but most of the dance numbers are this this huge kind of chorus of boys that are all dancing in this big open space. And it's, I think maybe it is that kind of, you said they did martial arts training as well. So maybe that kind of combination, it just it's really strong and they're really kind of sharp movements. And I, I just think it's really, really well done. Anybody else? Um, no, I'd agree with that. I really like the choreography. I think it's very good. It's nothing about how good the film is. I just forgot to mention it. When they go to Meta's little burlesque house, 
there's just a guy with a ventriloquist dummy in the audience and who's like really <laughs> hamming up the fact he's got a little dummy well, and that. the dummy's excited and he's excited and they're giving each other little glances and it had nothing that. to do with the actual quality of the film but I loved that because he wasn't he standing in the like in the wing with Les and then you had Davy and um and Jack in the other wing so they were kind of ogling her and then you had Les and the <laughs> ventriloquist and his dummy just kind of yeah. looking at her in a different way really strange i'm gonna give a shout out again to kenny ortega just because i felt that uh if you look at how this film is put together and you go high school musical you go yeah i get that this guy clearly knows how to do giant chorus numbers which high school musical was full of and then occasionally you've got to dance uh by yourself in new york at nighttime or go singing angrily on a golf course like you can see those parallels kind of present within his work (laughs) um but my big one is uh Alan Menken. Alan Menken said, I felt that even though people didn't like it, I had a good one here and put it in the chest. And I think the music in this totally holds up. I think you might not like the performance of it at times by some characters. And even King of New York, some of those kids cannot sing. They cannot sing. The first line of of, um, Hang the Banner is carrying the banner. I'll start again. The first note of carrying the banner is... It's it's a little scuffed. Yeah. So we've got so you can't do much with the fact who they cast for him, but the songs themselves totally hold their own. And this isn't like when we did The Wild and went Sylvester, what are you doing? <laughs> this is like no Menken, this, this can this can stand toe to toe. I'm not sure about the Anne Margaret song either. So I, I, I'm sure I'm wrong. I, I said I didn't think it was that bad. I don't think it's a good song. I just don't. I wouldn't have gone worst song of the year. Um, rating time, rating time, rating time. So just a rating out of 10. That's all we got to do for this. A rating out of 10. What's... Are we not rating it against the other live actions that uh, we've we, done? We haven't really done no. that idea of a ranking system for that. No, I mean, you can if you want, okay. but. Um, I have ranked it as six day old hot dogs out of 10. Six day old out of 10. Okay. Oh, I need to think of a witty rating system now. Um, Okay. I would give it um, three really big front page newspaper articles out of five. Three out of five. Okay, I said three. I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, Ethan. Uh, I'd give it seven Brooklyns out of Brooklyn. Is that out of ten, ten Brooklyns? Sure. Or did you just give it 700%? <laughs> my, my, my favorite numerical value is Brooklyn, apparently. How many letters in Brooklyn? How many is that out of seven? <laughs> yeah, it's eight letters in Brooklyn. So cool. Seven out of eight. Oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go eight hyperactive crutch yielding <laughs> uh, paper boys throwing papers in the air, laughing maniacally out of ten. <laughs> I really like this. I think it's fun. I think there's some problems with the pacing in the second act. Uh, in the second half, uh, I think the first half, I, I've said before, first half of the film is way more fun than the second half. The second half does get bogged down ever so slightly and could have used a couple songs less. Actually, if you cut all the Anne Margaret stuff out of this, I think you have a much better film. There we go. Set it. I just I just cut 15 minutes of runtime and a character we didn't need. 15 minutes of runtime we can use for Sarah. For Sarah? Yeah, sure. Why not? Mm. She just didn't add anything, did or she, even a little, Margaret? Or even a little bit more for Denton. I mean, like, you know, like there could have been more. I mean, I thought Bill Pullman was good. I liked Denton. I thought Bill Pullman yeah. was good, but you could have done with another. Tell me you couldn't have done with five more minutes or, of, of yeah. his story. Yeah. Or you could use the time to establish the villains as more menacing and actually yeah, give them some song. stakes. 
Like, why didn't we see that guy with the with the Weasley mustache again in the font? You know, he should have got his comeuppance as well. You should have. No, like we, a needed to have, song we needed to have Sykes like, punch him in the face at the end. I I think you should have had like a, a song where like the two villains are really hamming it up, and you've got like just a little bit in the chorus where Sykes is sort of singing in his indifference, just so like there's a bit, there's a little bit more sort of complexity to those three pillars. Sykes throws old-timey Pee Wee Herman out of the building, <laughs> mirroring what happened to Jack in the first in the first act. That same throw out. That's, that's the ending of that part of the movie. And that would have been satisfying. I thought you meant off the top of the building. <laughs> I don't know. No, that would be the horror film, actually. <laughs> like, a, like a full Bran Stark just yeah. flying. Yeah. There's one of those. Alright, so this leaves us to what's happening next time on Talking the Mickey. So what are it's Ellie's turn. So Ellie, what are we watching on Talking the Mickey next time? So I normally try and mix things up a bit and do something completely different, but I'm gonna um... Oh very Monty Python of you. Yeah, well <laughs> actually I'm gonna I'm gonna do the complete opposite of that today. So You're gonna do Newsies um... the Broadway show or are we do no. are we just reviewing are <laughs> we just reviewing that. We're going to do a watch along of Newsies and re-review it. Not quite that similar, <laughs> but um, no, we're just going to we're just going to skip ahead of one year and we're going to stick with some live action and we're going to go back to one that very much is hopping on the nostalgia bus for me and do Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. Homeward Bound. Are you guys familiar with Homeward Bound at all? No. It's like animals like on like a long trip. And like they're being voiced, like you can hear their voice, like the inside of their heads, like, like they talk to each other. Oh, like Bolt. Well, kind of, yeah, yeah. I've never seen Bolt, but um, yeah, they like they run away. They think that humans have left them and run away. From I think home. it's two dogs and a cat, and you can hear their inner yeah. monologues as they speak to each other. There's no computer animated like mouths doing like a Spooky Buddies or something like that. I mean, sort of on the on the cover of the. I don't know, the movie poster, I guess, you've got them in front of a waterfall, so that kind of gives you a bit of an idea of the kind of incredible journey that they go on. Okay. Um, but so yeah, so I haven't seen it as an adult at all, but I watched it a lot as a child because so I, I had it on VHS. It's important to know that there was a film called The Incredible Journey in the 60s. We're not doing yeah. that. We're doing Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, yeah. 1993. And both of them are available on Disney+. Plus. So. And I believe Michael J. Fox is in the cast list. Oh my god! I I'm think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So if it'll say about ninety three, Michael J. Fox, and that should get you there. Yeah. He he voices one of the one of the dogs. This is why I didn't know he was in it because he's not an actor in it. He's a voice actor. Yes, he is a voice actor in it. <laughs> Well, there he's, are people in it as well. Stuart Little he, plays he, a dog. Ah, oh, I can't wait. Is he, is he Stuart? Is he Stuart Little? Yeah, he's Stuart Little I, and Stuart Little. I love how you know him as Stuart Little. Isn't he also in, in Atlantis? <laughs> Yeah, he plays Milo in Atlantis. He plays Milo. Jeez, he's I, all I over did, Disney. I didn't be like, oh, yeah, Teed Wolf or Mighty McFly, Stuart Little. That, that's always my go-to. Alex P. Keaton, but you have to be a bit older to get that reference. So. Oh, was that Family Ties? That's Family Ties. Very good. I have way too much, like, um, uh, Michael J. Fox knowledge. You've also got Sally Field in it as well. Oh, oh okay. Very cool. Uh, that's, 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 the cat. that's Forrest Gump's mom. So there we go. Uh, who's the other one? Just out of curiosity, I've got two of the three of them now. Who's the third? I don't know who he is. Don Don Ame- I don't know how you say it. Amici. Don Amici. Um, or Amesh. He's 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 an, he's an older timey actor, uh, famous in the eighties for films like Trading Places, and he had a guest oh. spot in Coming to America. So please join us next time when we do Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. 
for Talking to Mickey, I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. I've been Georgia. And I've been Ethan. And remember, advertisements don't sell podcasts. Newsies sell podcasts. Brooklyn <laughs> out. Brooklyn <laughs> out.